You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon, Auburn. Welcome into Sports Call here today on this Monday. Coming to you live from our studios here on South College Street. My name is JJ Jackson alongside Tom Peavy and Cam Barry on today's show. Jason Caldwell from Inside the Auburn Tigers will stop by. We'll take your phone calls. We've got best and worst of the weekend, birthdays and sports, and a whole lot more. We're going to be able to accomplish a lot on today's edition of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. And again, give us a call, 334-887-3401. A lot of conversation about the state of this Auburn football program, as we do each and every day on this fine show. Auburn football, unfortunately, uh, did not have a good showing in Athens over the weekend, ultimately losing to the Georgia Bulldogs by a score of 42 to 10. Georgia did, in fact, cover that widespread. We talked about it on Friday with Chris Van Dyne from Field Steel Publications. The largest spread in the history of the Deep South's oldest rivalry by greater than 15 points. 15 points, a larger spread than it was a year ago, which at the time set the record for the largest spread. And somehow, someway, the Georgia Bulldogs able to cover that on Saturday and their defeat of Auburn. So we'll discuss all of that. And more here in just a little bit. We'll have a check-in from the spooktacular blood drive currently taking place in Tiger Town. So there's a rundown of some of the things to come here on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. But first and foremost, we talk Auburn football, and we'll do that throughout today's program. Tom and Cam, how are you guys? Oh, doing good considering how bad Auburn is. Uh, just I guess there's other things to pay attention to. So uh, overall, good. But oh man. Uh, it, the, the Auburn situation is just a mess. Uh, it's it's an absolute mess. You really hope that that team I, – I don't think there are many people that thought Auburn would be able to go in there and win that game, but you just kind of hope that they would at least look competent and competitive, and they didn't. Uh, <laughs> except for the defense, yeah. for the yeah, most I part. I say that for the first half, I would yeah. say they did relatively – I mean, the defense did really good. Yeah. I, I, you know, but that's kind of what we've been saying all along is that yeah. the defense is not the problem. The, the defense has done plenty to keep Auburn in games and keep some things close. Just get worn down. And, and they just get worn down because, you know, when you just have an inept offense and, and the offensive line, that just seems like they get, they keep getting worse, it feels like. And, and, and this is one of the big things with Brian Harson that, that I take exception with when, you know, for the you got to give him time crowd. Yeah. It, it's like, I understand that, but when you watch a team progressively get worse yeah. and not make any Regress. sort of gains, yeah, yeah, then then you're doing something wrong. And, and, I mean, you can go back and watch clips of that Georgia game on the offensive line. There were times that the offensive line just looked lost. Yeah. I mean, there were Georgia guys coming yeah. through the line that were not even getting touched. 
And, and the Auburn offensive linemen looked confused. I mean, the guy would already be past them. They would turn one way, and a guy would come past them on the other side. And they would just kind of – they just looked confused and completely out of sorts with what Georgia was doing and, and, you know, and, and what they were supposed to be doing. And so – it's bad. It's really bad, and I and I think most people um, have kind of come to the understanding that they have not fired Brian Harson yet. Uh, I think most people feel like that after this weekend, uh, most people feel like Ole Miss is going to handle Auburn handily, and then a move will be made in the bye week. Uh, that's kind of the general consensus that I'm getting. Uh, and then you got to you know you start talking about who's who's next, but uh, man. It's rough. It's bad, and I don't see a light at the end of the tunnel right now. Tough loss for Auburn. Yeah. And, and, yeah, trying to find that light at the end of the tunnel is the big question everybody's asking. They're now getting set for a game at Ole Miss. This past weekend was the first road contest for Auburn this season. They'll take on Lane Kiffin and the Rebels on Saturday, and then it'll be the bye week for Auburn football. Yeah. And then more questions will begin to appear about the future of head football coach Brian Harson, But, uh, Cam, all in all, just a, a really tough game to watch for Auburn football. Yeah, tough, tough, tough game to watch. Uh, an overall tough sports weekend for me personally. Um, you know, Falcons had a tough uh, tough matchup against a Buccaneers uh, team that, you know, is, is trying to find their footing and, and get going, and Falcons caught some momentum and, Missed some mistakes, a couple things here and there, some questionable um, refereeing, you know, some questionable calls, and and that kind of ended up costing us down the stretch. Twenty-one fifteen loss, but uh, I I like I like where the Falcons are going. It, it's a it's a good direction with Auburn. It, it's just you know it's just tough to watch. You just you just don't really know what to expect from this team outside of just no points in the second half and and just struggling on offense consistently and the defense just getting tired and, and just getting worn down you know it's it's tough to watch week in and week out um but i mean you know we, we kind of have to just to so we can make our observations that's and right and game. figure out what's going to be next yeah, for this auburn football out, team figure out what's next you we know, uh it, we had folks hard. ask us on friday uh what, how we were going to be taken in the game and that sort of thing i did not watch a single snap of the auburn football game against georgia on saturday why well, because I was on the SEC Network broadcast of Auburn and Georgia Volleyball. They also played in volleyball twice over the weekend. Auburn defeated Georgia in both matches. Auburn Volleyball is now 15-1 on the season. Excuse me, 16-1 on the season. Their very first start, best start in program history. Remarkable things being done there. And then on top of all of that... We saw the Major League Baseball wildcard series come to a close. The Braves will take on division rivals, the Philadelphia Phillies. The New York Mets absolutely choked. Uh, they were eliminated against the Aww. San Diego Padres. Elimination game for the Mets. <laughs> they only got two base runners. That was the bright spot. And an entire weekend. game. Two base runners for the Mets. Do or die. Winner take all game. One and hit. only two guys. One walk and one hit. Only two base runners all night long uh, for the Mets against the Padres. So Braves and Phillies, and they will play day games uh. starting tomorrow, uh, <laughs> which has been a struggle for the Braves. And just you want folks to be able to enjoy these games. And I, so many uh, people have work obligations that are they're going to get caught up in and, and that sort of thing. But, I yeah, the you, division series starts tomorrow. Uh, I, I bet you Truist is still going to be like pretty packed, though, honestly. I really, I really believe that it, you know we'll, we'll pack the house still for – 
for the game. I I, I think I, I think it will be mostly packed, but I think still because of that time schedule, you're oh, yeah. gonna you're it still gonna have. Out, but it'll yeah. be it'll be. And, and, un- full. and unfortunately, Mets fans are gonna turn around and show pictures of the stadium. And go look, Braves can't even sell out their stadium. Yeah. Like, yeah, we're paying at one o'clock in the are afternoon. You right, they, you had weekend playing games. a night game yeah. on a Sunday. Right. Like, no, miss me with that, man. On a winner take all game, and you can't even sell out your entire stadium. Embarrassing. Let's take our first time out of today's show. Your phone calls and thoughts are welcome. 334-887-3401. This is Sports Call. Follow us on tweeters. Follow our Sports Call host, J.J. Jackson, on Twitter by searching at underscore J.J. underscore Jackson underscore. And follow the show on Twitter by searching at Sports Call AU. Hashtag, is that two words? I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. All right, welcome back into Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM, and on the Tiger Communications app, my name is J.J. Jackson with Tom Peavy and Cam Berry on today's edition of the program, talking all things going on in the wide world of sports. But we've mentioned this leading up to a big day today, the spectacular blood drive taking place right now in Tigertown, and we're going to throw it to our morning DJ, the weekday rush with James Chandler and our friends at Life South, they're going to get a live update, a live look in. So let's go to Tiger Town now. Take it away. What's going on, folks? This is James Chandler down here at the spectacular Blood Drive in Tiger Town, Opelika, here with the woman of the hour, Ms. Melinda Hines. Hey, everybody. We're waiting on you. We were really busy when we started at noon, and we've slacked off a little bit, so there's no wait. We need everybody to come down before 6 o'clock, Tiger Town at the McDonald's entrance over here in the corner under the trees. Can't miss us. We have great shirts. We've got great food. Um, every donor is going to get a $20 e-gift card um, for donating today. Remember, all donations that are collected today stay here for our local hospital, and that's very important. we got to take care of home. So hope to see everybody here. Bring your ID and come out and have some fun with us and save some lives. Absolutely love it. Thanks so much, Melissa. Thanks, James Chandler. We'll talk to you guys soon. That is our Life South Spooktacular Blood Drive taking place right now. You said it there. Tigertown in Opelika. Find the Blood Mobile. Near McDonald's, blood donors will get a spooktacular T-shirt and $20 e-gift card, food and fun for all donors. And they're going to be there until 6 o'clock tonight. Had a lot of people show up so far, and we're going to be asking folks to continue to go there throughout today's show. Tom, you're a first responder. You kind of know the importance of these these blood donations and what they can do. Because like Melinda said there, with Life South, they stay local here. Yeah, and I mean, it's one of those things you never know when something may happen that you have to use that uh, to save your life, save a family member's life. And so uh, it's always good to always good to do that. And uh, it, it's always good for places like that to have those supplies that they can use in case of a natural disaster or 
any sort of a um, outbreak that may cause some sort of a blood deficiency where they need that. So it, it's vital for for people to donate blood so that those supplies can be there in case it's needed. We partner with Life South so frequently throughout the year, and we're really glad we do. Again, with uh, Kate 99.9 FM and here on the Tiger 95.9 FM, we've got our uh, jam mobile. We never come up with a fun name for it, but our station van, the lights are flashing, music's playing. It's a great time there in Tiger Town near McDonald's, Best Buy, that whole parking lot over there, Office Max, Office Depot. Uh, make sure you go by and say hello to them. Give some blood. Bring your ID. That's important. Yep. And uh, make sure you stop by and say hello to them and uh, help out folks for a very good cause. All right, 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 9 tiger 9 if you would like to call in to be a part of Auburn's first Auburn's favorite sports talk show. What we're doing right now is we're talking about this Auburn football uh, defeat by Georgia 42-10 to on Saturday, but also taking the opportunity to celebrate today's birthdays in sports. So let's get to it. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. All right, birthdays in sports here on October 10th of 2022. I'm going to hand this over to Tom Peavy uh, to celebrate. we got a lot of oh, birthdays wow. today. Unbelievable how many people are born today. Well, a lot a lot, and a lot of big names on here, too. <laughs> uh, starting off with uh, turning 53 today is Brett Favre. Not Be- Brett Favre, but Brett Favre. Yes. Hall of Fame NFL quarterback, played for the Falcons, Packers, Jets, and Vikings, most notably with the Packers. Three-time NFL MVP, 11-time Pro Bowler, one-time Super Bowl champion, played college football at Southern Miss. Uh, and a little bit of recent controversy we don't necessarily have to get into, but no it kidding. is his 53rd <laughs> birthday. Happy birthday, Brett Favre. I actually got to meet him briefly one time. He was riding in the Bow Bikes Bama. That's cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Turning 26 today is Cortland Sutton, wide receiver for the Denver Broncos. He played college football for the SMU Mustangs, a second-round pick by the Broncos in the 2018 NFL Draft, and he has been to the Pro Bowl one time. Happy birthday, Cortland Sutton. Popular fantasy football wide receiver. Happy birthday, right. Cortland Sutton. Uh, a, a guy who is, I guess his, I guess his uh, stats have kind of gone up a little bit, but it used to be like an absolute joke, especially when it came to fantasy football. Turning 32 is Geno Smith, starting quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks, a second-round pick in the 2013 NFL Draft by the New York Jets. He has also played for the Giants and the Chargers, played college football, for the West Virginia Mountaineers, and yeah, when he was with the Jets, he was pretty awful. He's kind of kind of rejuvenated his career a he, little bit. I mean, he's now the quarterback for the Seahawks, yeah. and he put his numbers side by side through five weeks to Russell Wilson, who was the Seahawks quarterback, and he's now in Denver. Geno Smith's having the better year, yeah. which nobody thought that would have been the case, but here we are. At, well, and that's one of those things at the beginning. It was like, goodness gracious, Cam Newton can't get a quarterbacking job, but Geno Smith yeah. is? Like, what is this? What is right. happening to the world right now? And credit to Geno. He's delivering. Yeah, Happy birthday. Is. Happy birthday. 32nd for him. Turning 20 today is Josh Giddy, guard for the OKC Thunder, the number six overall pick of the 2021 NBA Draft. Youngest player in NBA history to record a triple-double. Uh, players uh, plays for the Australian national team in FIBA tournaments and in the Summer Olympics. So, 20-year-old today, Josh Giddy. Good up-and-coming player for sure. Yep. Happy birthday. Turning 30 today is Michael Carter-Williams, a free agent NBA guard. He played college basketball for the Syracuse Orange. He played in the NBA for the 76ers, the Bucks, the Bulls, the Hornets, the Rockets, and the Magic. 
He was the 2014 NBA Rookie of the Year. Happy 30th birthday, Michael Carter Williams. Happy birthday. Turning 36 today, this guy is an outfielder for the Milwaukee Brewers. He played eight seasons for the Pittsburgh Pirates, also played for the Giants, the Yankees, and the Phillies. A five-time MLB All-Star, the 2013 NL MVP, one-time Gold Glove winner, four-time Silver Slugger winner, Andrew McCutcheon, 36 years old. That's a good baseball player right there. Absolutely it is. Uh, turning 38 today is Troy Tulowitzki. Another good player. That's right. Retired shortstop, a 13-year MLB career, nine seasons with the Colorado Rockies, three seasons with the Toronto Blue Jays, one season with the New York Yankees. He is a five-time MLB All-Star, two-time Gold Glove winner, two-time Silver Slugger, currently serving as an assistant coach for the Texas Longhorns. 38 years old today, Troy Tulowitzki. It's like when you've got Tim Hudson and Gabe Gross as college baseball coaches yeah. at Auburn with the success they had as a big league player, and now they go back and coach the – like, that's so cool. that Tula, oh, yeah. Those players are like, are you serious? Yeah. Troy Tulowitzki is one of our assistant coaches like, at Texas. I'm going to go there. Yeah. Absolutely. That's awesome. Turning 32 today is Colton Wong, second baseman for the Milwaukee Brewers. Man, we got some Milwaukee Brewers. I know, teammates. Second baseman for the Milwaukee Brewers. He is a two-time Gold Glove Award winner. Played for the St. Louis Cardinals from 2013 to 2020. First round pick in the 2011 MLB Draft. Happy birthday, Colton Wong. And finally, turning 48 years old. Goodness gracious, how time flies. (laughs) Dale Earnhardt Jr. Happy birthday. Retired NASCAR driver, two-time Daytona 500 winner two-time NASCAR Bush Series champion, 26 wins over a 19-year NASCAR Cup Series career, currently a broadcaster for the NBC Sports, and obviously the son of legendary driver Dale Earnhardt Sr. Dale Earnhardt Jr. turns 48 years old today. There's a look at our birthdays in sports here today by Max Credit Union, our presenting sponsor for that. Allow Max Credit Union to help you with all of your banking needs Two awesome locations to help you here in the area. One in Auburn on Gay Street, one in Opelika on Frederick Road. Birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union. Brett Favre, Cortland Sutton, Geno Smith, Josh Giddy, Michael Carter-Williams, Andrew McCutcheon, Troy Tulowitzki. i got to take a breath. Colton Wong and Dale Earnhardt Jr. Tons of birthdays today. If it's your birthday, happy birthday to you. We're back in a moment. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn. on Sports Call Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Tom Peavy and Cam Berry. All right, let's talk Auburn football. 42 to 10, the final score for Auburn against Georgia. And, you know, we talk about the second half struggles of this football team, 
a lot. Uh, you know, Auburn did, in fact, score. They scored more points in the second half than they did in the first half because they didn't score in the first half. Auburn yeah. adds 10 there in the second half. But we talk about the defensive effort, guys, and it was a 0-0 game at the end of the first quarter. I mean, for yeah. a long time, the game was competitive. Auburn then has uh, the fake punt that does not go well. Uh, it was, you know, a three-on-two blocking situation yeah, that, uh, that, that the numbers favored Auburn, but they didn't, they execute. didn't execute it. And so that's where it's tough, right? Because that is gutsy, your own 30-yard line-ish where the ball was in that moment to go for it on fourth down. But Auburn got the exact look that they were looking for. It was three-on-two. Sure. We have more guys than you do. We should be able to pick up this first down. The blocking wasn't there. Georgia gets the stop. They start to score touchdowns and never look back. That is hard when you talk about the future of a football coach. And we did this all the time with Gus Malzahn, and we're going to continue to do this here for Brian Harson. There is only so much a coach can do. They cannot physically go out there and catch the football for you. They can't throw the football for you. They can't block the person you're supposed to block or tackle the person you're supposed to tackle. And you do need to say, all right, Auburn football players, there's a level of accountability. There's a level of execution that you just kind of drop the ball in. Right. Yeah, I mean, mean, that's really just kind of what it was. I mean, just in that particular instance. And, I mean, they can only scheme so much. You can only do so much. Like you said, J.J., I mean – at that point, you know, Harson standing on the sideline. He called the play, and I mean, if you're sitting there and you get, you're trying to get something going, and you see that in the past Georgia's been beat by fake punts twice. Yep. And so you're like, oh, well, this is an opportunity here. They just missed. I mean, they just missed the blocks. You know, it's just. I mean, at that point, that's not on him because, right. you know, to, I mean, schematically speaking, strategic speaking. That was maybe the right call, and and the players just didn't execute correctly. They got the look. That's yeah. What's, and they, a lot, they got and the look. The crowd like that there. that was against the call. I get it too, because here's the other argument that's made: the field position. Your defense is playing that, so great. That's this is my so argument. great. Right. However, I think Cam just made a really good point that on offense you got to do something. Yeah. Nothing sure. was working at that point. You got to find somehow some way. To do to something, spark something. That, to that's some and type you of had momentum. the look. The, yeah. the fake punt is one of those typical things that if it works, then it's like Genius. smart play. Yeah. He he saw that look and smart play. And if it doesn't work, and if it doesn't it work, like then you're idiot. then you're a fool. Yeah. Um, like I can't so, catch a break. Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, you know, and my only thing is this: like, okay, the look is there, but yeah, you're. I mean, you're running a play that is like strictly. You have to block. This has to be blocked. Yeah. Exactly how this has to be blocked. And you're talking about a group that can't block all year. Can't (laughs) block anything and has not blocked anything all year. Right. Now you are putting this at risk on them executing exactly how they need to execute. And and they haven't done that. So why are you putting your trust in such a vital play? It's such a vital part of the game onto that. I, I, I get it. it I, it's a it's a damned you if you do. Don't have a choice, right? It's damned if you do, damned if you don't. And, and I, my whole thing with Harson through that game, it's not that play. It, it's everything else, and it, and it's not even 
singular plays. Like I can still go back to the Penn State game last year, which I thought was at the end of the game, Auburn's right there in it, and I thought that was just one of the most foolish calls I've ever seen in my life to throw a fade pattern on fourth down with the game on the line. You throw you throw a 50-50 ball to one of the shortest guys on your team. I That baffled me. The use of Tank Bigsby throughout the year, that baffles me. There's so many other things. The lack of adjustments at halftime. The fact that this offensive line has seemingly pro- has progressively gotten worse. Those are the things that bother me with Brian Harson. Not a fake punt. Like I understand why that was done, and I understand why people are upset about it. But again, if it works, it works great. The yeah. numbers were on your side. It didn't work. I, I that's not my that's not my beef with Harson. My beef with Harson is that, well, a first the lack of recruiting, the lack of uh, of transfer portal that are going to help shore things up, and that doesn't look like that's getting better anytime soon. And then just the the lack of adjustments, the fact that it looks like this team keeps getting worse and worse and worse. That that's what bothers me, Harson. Not a not a singular fake punt call, which you know, like we talked about, they had the numbers. All you had to do is have one guy block. Yeah. And honestly, you know, when you mentioned the tank stuff, to be fair, he tried to get tank the ball multiple times. Sure. You know, it's just at that point it comes down to. You've got a terrible the, offensive yeah, line. A terrible offensive line. You know, he tried to get him outside, you know, kind of put him on some outside screen routes. That didn't really work because the wide receivers don't block great either. And so it's just, you know, uh, it's just it, can't, he can't produce. And yeah. which is surprising because. Jarquez is producing better, in my opinion, just from what I'm seeing. Sure, Jarquez is is, is producing even running the ball, catching the ball in all phases. He's producing better than than Tanks it, yeah. for the most part this season. And I, yeah, I mean, there's definitely reasons why Tank is not producing, but it's still it it it's frustrating because it is one of the best backs in all of college football. I, I agree, and you can't get anything out of it. And I know that's not Tank's fault. You know, a lot of that's not even Brian Harris's fault, even though I think some of it is at times. Uh, it, yeah, it, all, it, it comes down – everything on this offense comes down to the lack of play on the offensive line. That That is where it all starts. You could have Tom Brady back there at quarterback. You could have Barry Sanders back there at running back. You could have Jerry Rice and, and Randy Moss out <laughs> at wide receivers. If you have an offensive line like this that is just that bad, missing assignments, just – Run, but running into each other. I, there's like a play that I saw where the center yeah. just backed into one of his yeah, own guys. I saw that. Which freed up a guy. I, I mean, you can have the best skill players in the world. If they're playing behind an offensive line like that, then they're not going to be successful. And that that has got to get fixed. I, I mean, whoever comes in here next, that's, that's the first thing that has got to be fixed through, through transfer portal, through how, whatever you've got to do. You have to shore up that offensive line because I, I mean, that is, it's bad. It is that is honestly one of the worst offensive lines I have ever seen, and I've they've seen some bad offensive lines, but this is bad. I mean, it's really, really bad. When you sit there and you watch a play, um, there's one of the plays where Tank got hit for a loss, and uh, uh, your your end, your guy on the end turns to the right and the guy he's supposed to block comes off of his left shoulder and they ne- he never even touches him yeah he turns to the right the defender runs right past his left and he's just kind of left sitting there turn around like what just happened it's like well the guy that you're supposed to block just ran right past right you past 
I mean, that that is, is mind-boggling how bad these guys are. 500 total yards of offense for Georgia, 258 total yards of offense for Auburn. Uh, time of possession wasn't that favorable for Auburn either because they're just three and outs, and you got to get the football back over to this Georgia team. And then there's the quarterback play, and it's Robbie Ashford who goes 13 of 38. Yeah. Off. I mean, that's that's yeah, that's not that's not good. A no. third of your passes are completed, but then there are moments where it's so hard to critique the accuracy in the passing because Ashford's on the run so much. He's running yeah. for his because life. The yeah. Auburn offensive line isn't doing their part. But and and there's the running for the life. But Robbie, Robbie has to protect the ball. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you can't. He has he has a great run that looks like he could potentially score a touchdown, and he knocks the ball out of his yeah. own hands. Yeah, I mean, those uh, are those are the, yeah. just killer plays like that. that yeah, those things you absolutely just, murder your momentum. Yeah. And that's not on anybody, but the, that's not that's on a, anybody. No, but Brian, you can't, right? you can't blame Brian. You can't blame, you Brian, Harson can't blame Brian Harson for that. That is on and Robbie Ashford. And unless you're like, well, he's not teaching ball security. Well, I mean, ball security is like the first thing that everybody teaches in sure. football when you're. They're not on. teaching them to fumble. Right. They're not right. So, so that's obviously something that they're teaching them. It's just, I mean, that just But it's just kind of a snowball effect of when things are going bad. Just it feels like everything just piles on. Yeah. You start, you know, you start having drops. Coy Moore dropped a, a pass. That, yeah. It's like you know how. How do you drop that? Well, that's not Brian Harson. Brian Harson did not teach him to drop that pass. Um, you know, Robbie Ashford. Leads the nation in fumbles right now. Yeah, by an individual player, you know Harson. That you can't necessarily blame. Not even necessarily. You can't blame Harson for that when you have a quarterback that literally has put the ball on the ground more than anybody else in the country. That's not. That's not the coach's fault. I just watched Let's, that play happen. I just was like, no. Here's a phone call: three three four eight eight seven thirty four zero one. Ed from Auburn. All right, one of our good friends, Ed from Auburn, is on the line. Hi, Ed. Hey, JJ, uh, it's very good talking to you. Absolutely and, and good to hear from you. Yes, sir. It's been, it's been a while. And it has been. Has been. I've got Tom and Cam. Okay. Uh, I just wanted to say uh, I agree so much with what y'all are saying. And, and, you know, JJ, you know, even in Gus's last couple of years, I, I said, just show us some progress. Uh, everybody was calling. Well, if he's got to go eight and four, yeah. I said, just show us some progress, and, and it wasn't there. But you know, uh, one of the things about Gus's last four years, I kept complaining about was offensive line, and, and you, you would think anybody would have made that a priority, you know. And I, 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 I do not. I, I don't know. I, there is nothing that, to me as an Auburn fan, that gives me any hope that things are going to get better under Harrison. And whether whether it's rules, whether it's Kiffin, uh, uh, you know, uh, Jeff Grimes is, a, I think, still a good guy. I wouldn't mind seeing. Uh, but, but whoever, I think if, if I was Auburn, I'd go ahead and get rid of Harrison so, and just put any any one of the coaches put Cadillac up there, put put anybody as interim coach, and finish the year out. Because then you can start recruiting. You know, you're going to tell the kids, "Hey, you know, we, we can't tell you this. It, it could be that you can't. What if it's Matt Rule? You can tell him immediately, and he can start recruiting. And uh, you know." 
know, I know he's from Baylor, but but he, I, you know, I hope that Brian Harson hasn't soured Auburn people over anybody that didn't grow up, you know, spit tobacco. But I, I, War Eagle guys, and, and JJ, so good to talk to you again. Buddy. Absolutely. Thanks for the call, Ed. It's great. Glad to hear you're doing well. Yes. Yes, I, I am. And thank you on that. All right. That's our good pal, Ed from Auburn, joining us there on the phone lines. He he, he said the name Matt Rule, and all I got to say is don't bring that juju on me, Ricky Absolutely Bobby. I don't want any. I don't want anything to do with Matt Rule here. That, that would be... No, and, and you know, and unfortunately, no, and I've seen these com- I've seen these conversations. Like, that's like the one guy that would have like the the least exciting hire of people that are talking about, and they're like, "So Auburn will be announcing Matt Rule as their head coach because oh that's how it has always gone." Right. Um, I, I got to say this, and uh, Steve uh, Wardam Steve loves mentioning Stat Tiger, but Stat Tiger has a thing here, and it goes back to what we were talking about about how uh, you have to look at your players and your personnel and, and there's things sometimes that the coach just can't control because right. if you're dropping the ball if you're just missing blocks missing assignments that points to the lack of talent that this team has and it points to the lack of talent that brian harson took over he has not done anything to fix that lack of talent because he has completely struck out on transfer portal and has had uh you know a bad recruiting class which you know yeah he started off but now this one is awful not looking good so yeah, the talent is there, but here here is the big thing. And and again, can't blame Harson for this. This goes into Malzon. Um since 2015, Alabama has 89 committed players from the top 100. Georgia has 69 top 100 players. This is since 2015. All right? Alabama with 89, Georgia with 69. Auburn has 19. <laughs> Top 100 players since 2015, Auburn has only had 19 committed. In that time, Alabama Tough has to had be competitive. Though. Alabama has had has 89. Georgia has had 69. And it feels like Texas A&M just did that just it's this past, past recruiting yeah. season. No kidding. In one class. No kidding. That's where Auburn is. That's where Auburn's struggles start. Right there is the talent gap is astronomical at this. Things got to change. That's for sure. Let's take a timeout. Sports call continues in a moment. J.J. Jackson and the guys want to hear from you. Give them a call to join Sports Call at 334-887-3401. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Winding down our number one of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. J.J. Jackson with Tom Peavy and Cam Berry. Again, the spooktacular blood drive happening right now in Tigertown. The blood mobile near McDonald's until 6 p.m. tonight. Blood donors will get a spooktacular t-shirt and a $20 e-gift card. Food and fun for all donors. Brought to you by Life South. Man, coming back from breaking here and uh, Coach Philip Lolly's name on there. And I'm just thinking about... The- how intense that dude was when he was in here in the studio is no kidding he had us ready to run through a wall and we're not even football players maybe yeah, maybe, right. uh, maybe maybe gotta some, give him a call maybe somebody needs to give him a call give him a pep talk or something he'd fire him up i i he might do some more than firing him up he, he might have his <laughs> foot 
he might have his foot plainly, uh, planted in somebody's rear end. Yeah, there. some folks wouldn't mind seeing it. I mean, to get this team jump started, ready yeah, to rock and need, roll. And geez, they need something. Yeah, no doubt about that. Three three four eight eight seven thirty four zero one or toll free at one triple eight nine Tiger Nine if you want to call in and be a part of the program. Uh, let's. Uh, we've just got a couple of minutes here before the end of the hour. Again, the Braves are getting set for the National League Division Series yep. starting tomorrow. You can listen to all of the games on our sister station, AM 1230 WAUD for Braves Radio Network coverage. But we're playing the Phillies, guys. The New York Mets were up 10 and a half games over the Atlanta Braves. They're talking trash all year long, primarily their fans on Twitter and some of their commentators. There's no shot that the Braves are going to win the division. Well, the Braves hmm. did win the division, and it's another team in that same division that season is going longer than the Mets because the Braves are getting ready to take on the Phillies in a best-of-five NLDS. <sighs> Tough. Yeah. I, so Tough for the Mets. It's just so funny because we, we all knew it. We all knew it. Yeah. I knew it. I never believed for a second. I was like, yeah, we'll probably win the division. We ended up winning the division. I I think I think there were some some diehard Mets followers that also felt that was coming. I mean, if you oh, if you man, it's inevitable. And the Mets yeah. are the Mets. Like if if you go through and you, uh, I I love uh, on a barstool uh, Frank the Tank, Frank Ooh. Fleming, man. Frank Fleming. <laughs> I mean, poor, poor guy. guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, poor guy. But he's been calling it. He's the been, Braves never lose. The Braves never lose. He's been calling it for a while, and it happened. And of course, poor guy. I don't know he's how he's. Torn. I don't know how he's still alive because I mean he's a big guy. And he, I mean he always looks like he's, he's the having, tank for a reason. He looks like he's always having a massive coronary, like <laughs> when things are going bad. And now they're really bad. But yeah, uh, yeah. I mean the Mets. The Mets fell apart. And what's so crazy? This was supposed to be their year. Yeah, they spent a lot, a lot of, of money. money to have that, money. yes, yes, the the most money to have the team that they had this year, and they still couldn't finish, couldn't get it done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. didn't that, win anything. You win nothing. And you win like, nothing. You don't win your division. Don't win your division. You don't advance in the playoffs. You don't uh, win anything. Lose to the Padres. And you just spent so much money on these guys, and they're probably going to lose a, a, a lot, of a it. lot of it. Yeah. Jacob Degrom might Degrom. end up being a brave. Oh, that will be just a stab. Wouldn't mind that. <laughs> it all oh started going gosh, down dude. for him with it, Timmy Trumpets. Yes, low key, right? Like, exactly. oh my gosh, I just. I mean, that was a cool. It's a very cool thing, but uh, it seems like as soon as that became this big prominent thing, thing yeah. they just kind of they went downhill. Let's take our time out here as we've gotten to the <laughs> end of the hour alongside Tom Peavy and Camberry. My name is JJ Jackson. One hour in the books, and we're rolling. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ Tuskegee Auburn, and AM620 WTRP LaGrange. 
Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starting right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. I'm JJ Jackson inside the studio with Cam Barry and Tom Peavy. Hope that you're doing well on this Monday. Talking about the Auburn football loss over the weekend to Georgia. Tigers dismantled 42-10 the final score in that one. Elsewhere in the SEC, it's Alabama taking on Texas A&M with the Crimson Tide winning 24-20. A&M had a play near the goal line with a chance to win it uh, that did not go their way. And uh, Alabama escapes with the victory. So Alabama was number one. Then they were number two. This past week, they went back up to number one. And now in the newest AP poll, Alabama has fallen down to three. Georgia is one. Ohio State is two. So uh, some really crazy showings this past weekend. And Tennessee dismantling LSU over the weekend. We're approaching the third Saturday in October. And for the first time in ages... Tennessee has a shot. Tennessee a home good. game this upcoming yeah. weekend against Alabama. College yeah. game yeah. day. Tennessee college game good. day is going to be there. SEC Networks. Everybody's going to be in Knoxville for that one. game. It's going to be a huge one. You were the first person I thought of Saturday uh, after Texas A&M blew that game. Right. Because you said you've always been like, just doesn't matter the talent, doesn't matter whatever, whatever, Jimbo. And I was like, yeah. God, Tom again. I was like, he's right, though, because Texas A&M had everything on their side. All you had to do was make the right play call. And I said this earlier. I was talking to Ryan about it. You limit. I understand why they went to Stewart. He was killing them all game. He was killing them the entire game. Totally understand it. Their DBs could not stand a chance against him. But to limit yourself to one side of the field, and I guess whatever play call they were calling, um, the Bama players heard – heard Jimbo they, saying Stewart Stewart they Stewart. heard him son heard him name. saying yeah heard him saying that and so that's you automatically know that's where the ball go, ball's going and you just, I, I think I said limiting yourself to that side of the field it's just it a comeback route it just wasn't a good throw it just wasn't a good play call Nick Saban had a video breakdown of the play as well right. that's been trending on Twitter but but the thing is the play kind of like with the fake punt that we talked about the play was there it just wasn't executed uh, that play, that play should have worked, could could have worked, should have worked, but the receiver did not run the route the way he needed to. He didn't run the route deep enough. If he runs that route five yards into the end zone and then does the comeback, then he hits him and it's a touchdown. But he didn't get all the way in enough, and so when he cut back, he was short of the end zone, and then it was a bad throw. And so everybody looks at it and we're like, 
You know, why would you not call a play into the end zone? Well, the play was supposed to be into yeah, the end so, zone. All right, all right. It just, they didn't execute. The, the wide receiver did not run that route the way that that was supposed That's to be run. That's the one thing that, you know, doing the sports talk show for all these years with you guys that just, we talked about it in hour number one, that you just, I wish we could, I, I would make it my Twitter bio if I had to, that football and sports still comes down to execution right. at the end of the day. Those coach, Jimbo Fisher, cannot make his players go out there and run their route deeper where they need right. to do. Now, that being said, while that route was not run and that play could coulda, shoulda been the right call and it wasn't executed. However, again, what, you know, uh, Cam, you were talking about, you know, with me, if I'm thinking about it, I'm trying to give myself other options other than that. Just like with Auburn throwing the pass against Penn State last year. Yeah. You only have that's your op. That's it. That you. That's the one thing, and that's where it's going, and that's it. And that's what happened with A and M. You've got your one shot. Well, guess what? He ran a bad route. There's no plan B. That's where the ball's going. That's where that is. That is it. And so, if that one guy does not execute his job, there's not a plan B. When you're in crunch time like that, I feel like you have to have something that has at least a plan B and a plan C. And plan C would be tucking and running. Right. You need to have you need to have your plan A, which is you hope that guy runs that route and it's going to be there. But if he doesn't do his job right, yeah. or if Alabama does something that you're not expecting, there needs to be the plan B. And, and then at last case, then you've got at least a plan C. But if you just limit yourself and that's the play, that's it, that's the one guy and that's where it's going – then you're you're screwed. If if he doesn't do his job, then you're then you're up. You know yes. what creek? It's yeah. almost as if our good buddy Brandon Marcello from Twenty Four Seven Sports is listening to us right now. He just tweeted: Alabama is the first number one to drop to number three or lower in the AP poll era after a win since 1997. First time yeah. in the 21st century that someone has dropped to number three or lower from number one after a win. The last time was 97 when Nebraska fell to number three after an overtime win at Missouri. And then here's the other thing to mention with this, guys. Bryce Young did not play. No, that's Bryce that's Young something did you not consi- play yeah. at quarterback. And so for this Tennessee game, is Bryce Young going to be 100% when you're dealing with potential what separated shoulder issues yeah. that we've heard? Probably not, but it's still Bryce Young. It's still the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. Right. You like his odds in a game coming up against Tennessee. So, yeah, And I think yeah. they're going to need him because uh, – Milrow it, just turned the ball over too many he, times. He turned the ball over way, way too many times. Well, you can't two, do that. Two fumble, three fumbles? And pick. Two fumbles and a pick? Yeah. Three fumbles and a pick? Something like Some, that. Bryce Young could have played. You know, could've. and what does this yeah. what does this say about Alabama guy that it's like, yeah, Milrow could have played better. They still won. They still won. They still Alabama's like, you know what? We're not going to play our Heisman Trophy quarterback yeah. in a conference yeah. game. Yeah, and, and yeah, yeah. That's def- where Auburn's defense. trying to get to at some point yeah, with right. a program like that. Yeah, let's get a phone call three three four eight eight seven thirty four zero one. Ward damn Steve. All right, here he is, retired Ward damn Steve's with us. Hello, Steve. It's me, Tom, and Cam. Good afternoon, JJ. Tom and Cam. Yes, sir. Hey there, gentlemen. All right. Look. You could have put me in as a quarterback Saturday uh, for Alabama. You still would have won. <laughs> you think and so? And I mean that seriously. I mean that seriously. Because when you've got the five-star and four-star players surrounding you, it really doesn't matter, guys. 
Well, yeah, mainly, mainly, well, mainly up front. You got you got to have offensive line. You got receivers that are five star and four star players, and they're sitting on the bench too. Uh, yeah, it really doesn't matter who the quarterback is. But uh, let me not digress here. I'm going to let you know that right now, and I'm saying to all all the people who are listening, and please, you know, contact President Roberts uh, by email or phone call. I've already read some bloggers. Uh, Late yesterday evening, uh, I sat down and I emailed um, the president. Uh, it was, I thought, pretty succinct. Uh, I told him I followed Auburn football for 52 years, except for 2012. I've always had confidence, guys, that our football team could not only compete with whoever we were playing, but realistically could win those games. And I went on to say, I no longer have that confidence, guys. After watching the crap show Saturday that, 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 that we had to contend with, I no longer have that confidence, and that, to me, uh, is sad because I, 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 it pays me to say that. So I went on to tell him that this is no longer a rivalry, the Georgia. I went on to say, saying and doing nothing are not options, Dr. Roberts, and I mean that wholeheartedly. Saying and doing nothing, these are not options any longer. Yeah. And I asked him to please consider strongly terminating the relationship with Coach Harson and the current coaching staff sooner than later. Otherwise, I said delaying such a decision will only make it more difficult for our football program to recruit and to compete at the highest level in our conference. Auburn players and fans deserve better. Now I enter it with War Eagle always, respectfully. So, guys, that's my position. You know, saying and doing nothing cannot continue to be an option for uh, this, this uh, the football program by our president. Guys, do you see it differently? Uh, I mean, I... No, I, I think that uh, I we mentioned this, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, and we asked about point of no return. And I, and I said at that point we were not at the point of no return, but I think we have gotten there. Uh, the, the, something's going to have to – a decision's going to have to be made, and I think it will be made. Um, I mean, this team has regressed. Uh, there, there has been nothing that has shown me that things are getting better. Uh, whether that be recruiting, whether it be transfer portal, uh, whether it be the play on the field, nothing seems like it's getting better. And if anything, it seems like it's getting worse. And I feel like that's just going to continue under Brian Harson. And so it's time to it's time to make that move. Now, as far as like you know, rivalry with Georgia, it still is a rivalry. But yes, Georgia has absolutely dominated Auburn over the last several years. It can't be a rivalry, Tom, when you've lost. You know, at their place. Rivalry is still a rivalry. Yeah, rivalry yeah, is still but, a rivalry. Yeah, and, and I, I can tell a you, big game that players are going to get oh, up yeah. for and, and it's, try it's to a, compete. It's a game, for. I, well, but it's not a rivalry. Well, listen, I can I can tell you from growing up in Columbus, Georgia, that game means more to just about anybody yeah. in Columbus, Georgia, because you're pretty much split down between. Now there are some Alabama fans that you know matriculate their way over from from uh the across the Chattahoochee River but pretty much in Columbus Georgia you're either a Georgia fan or an Auburn fan and I growing and, up yeah and, and and that's the same thing you yeah, know with I mean, Cam up around up in, Atlanta yeah, growing up in Lawrenceville like that that's it, it a is, big game every it, yeah. year it is they 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 hold it to as as much a high yeah. regard as we do the the Alabama Tennessee rivalry is still a rivalry even though Tennessee has been pure garbage over the last several years now obviously this year it means something right but they didn't say the same thing but with it Georgia and Tennessee. Yeah, right. But that, that Tennessee, the Tennessee-Alabama game never lost the luster of it being a rivalry, even though Alabama dominated them. 
And I mean, it's still going to be the the South, the the Deep South's oldest rivalry between Georgia and Auburn. It's still going to be hatred between the right. fans. Uh, it's still going to be there, but unfortunately, we're in a time right now where Georgia has just been right. flat dominating Auburn. I get it. It sucks. Like it's unfortunate. You hate seeing your team get dog walked like that. You know, especially in consecutive. No pun years. intended. No, nah, no pun intended. Right, <laughs> but you know, and that's just unfortunate. It's just, but I, I'm still going to consider it a rivalry game. You could say the same thing about Alabama. You know, but we're still going to consider that the Iron Bowl, right? It's the Iron Bowl. It's still our you know our biggest rival we're still going to get up for that game we're still going to consider a big game everybody whether it be in tuscaloosa or in auburn is going to show out stadium's going to be packed you know it's always going to be something that is going to be a big event well guys do you know what harson considered to be it is at tiger talk apparently i read um some blogs with that do you know what he considered to be a rivalry he said it's a good one it's between idaho and boise state he said that was a good one. I said, wow. Whoa. If that's your definition of a rivalry, uh, Linda, what, what do you call the Iron Bowl? Um, gee, my knee. But based um, on his life experience, right. yeah, that's, I mean, that, that's what you've him. got to factor in. Sure. That's what he's been in my whole – and this is where I'll speak. You know, like the Iron Bowl is incredible. Holy cow. The Auburn-Georgia game is incredible. Right. Holy cow. But surround- I grew up in the state of North Carolina. And so I'm constantly going to be thinking about Duke and UNC because I'm surrounded by that my entire life. And for Brian Harson to be up in that part of the country for the majority of his life, I don't blame him at all for saying something like that. If you you live if you live on the if you live on the eastern side of Washington State, then what you know is Washington State versus Washington, right? And if you live on the west coast, it's UCLA and USC. Yeah. If you're in Oregon, Oregon, Oregon State. I mean, that's what they know. Those are their biggest rivals, and they they have no clue how vicious and the how vitriol that goes it. on yeah, out here. Yeah. But however, we also don't know the vicious the viciousness and the vitriol that goes on out there. Right. If we went to Oregon and we saw how their fans interact with each other, we may be like, goodness. Tom, gracious. I can honestly say I've never stepped foot. In the state of Idaho, yeah, I've never either. done it. I, I don't know. It. Me either. I don't know what it's like. I can't but they speak. Probably, they probably don't like each other, and that's fine. Yes. But that's that's what rivalries well, we are made of. Illinois, Indiana, case okay? sure. three or three, you know, uh, slugfest. You know, yeah. Okay, Iowa All doesn't right. like Iowa State. Oh come on, come on, guys! Look, please, please. Okay, give me a break. All no, right. I'm just saying. Okay, no, it doesn't compare. It, listen, it doesn't. It absolutely does not compare to the Iron Bowl. But I'm telling you, these rivalries happen. So just to poo-poo the fact I that Brian Harson has a rivalry that. up there, that that's that, that, that that's their rivalry okay. in the land of potatoes. That's what they they well they were their rivalries. Where apparently Harson needs to go back to. Uh, <laughs> move, moving on, guys. There was uh, two two plays in the Georgia game Saturday to determine the outcome of that game. Yeah. Okay? Um, One of them was a, a bonehead call, and you may disagree, but, but you're welcome to, to, to rebuttal. But what are you doing calling a fake punt, not on Georgia's side of the field, but on our side of the field at the 36-yard line, and it's not a fourth and one, but a what? A fourth and 11. And your offense hasn't been doing crap, but your defense has kept the other side scoreless. It's zero to zero, and this is what you're going to do. So, yeah. so, so we we actually Talk talked about, about that play, right. and, and and you can kind of go both ways with that. However, that is something that that is something that Auburn had seen on film. That is something Georgia had always been doing. They, Auburn had the numbers. 
They had three blockers to two defenders on that side of the field. It was there. The the numbers were in Auburn's favor. The play was there. Great play call. But you had a guy the just completely he just completely missed the block. If he makes that block, then that dude is off and running and, and there not, ain't nobody touching him. Shanker's off running. We're not even talking yeah. about how that's a bad play call because then it's happened to Georgia three times where they missed a, a fake punt call because right. they did it. it. It happened to them against Missouri. It happened to them against Kent State, and then it would have happened to them against us. That would have been three times, three games in a row. Right. And so we're not even talking about that if we execute properly. properly. So, you know, you can say it's a dumb play, but we have to get something going at that point, right, Steve? Because offense the sure offense wasn't sure doing wasn't doing anything, right? So you, you're, you're just trying to mix it up. You, you, you just I get that it was on our side of the field, and, okay, we didn't convert, so it gave them a short field. They went down and scored. Not on your end of the football field, okay? I, I get it. It's I get their it. End. I, and, by the way, our defense was playing their, their, their lights out. You know, they can't keep it up. It was 0-0. Zero, zero. Okay, sure. keep punting. I, I think it was a gamble, and I think it was a decent gamble because you you didn't see your offense really producing whatsoever. Right. So why not try and trick them? Why not? I mean, and in that uh, setting, when are, this is something we haven't said else with this. And, and Steve saying not on your side of the field. Well, when would you run a fake punt? You know? right. If you're on your side of the field where you're, you need to be, you're going to kick a field goal or you're going to keep your offense out on the field because you like the numbers and the space and that sort of thing. Punting? Georgia thinks you're going to punt right. because you're they're thinking what Fourth Steve's 11, thinking. Why are you doing this? Right. You're going to punt. And then Auburn's like, well, we saw that this worked twice against twice. you. This is the play call. We've got the numbers we need to make this work, and the players just didn't execute. Period. We, I, I just, I can't fault him for that play call. I can't. I, I just. Well, it's just, you're by yourselves, guys, because everybody I was reading, and I read uh, some other uh, coaches made that said this was a high risk uh, call to make. Our offense. We're not anyway. denying that no. it's high risk. It's any, any, all. High risk. Any, any at fake, all. Any fake punt or trick play like that is high risk when you're doing that. But, what if it is an know. awful snap to Shanker? What if all of a sudden Quadabomb the snapper right. can't get it to him or Shanker drops it? or like That, again, goes back to execution. execution. There is risk all the time in that. Okay. Now, let's go to a, another unfortunate uh, event that probably pretty much always determined the outcome, too. We finally get a turnover. Mr. Wooden gets a fumble recovery. Yeah. And what do we get from that? In the red zone, three lousy points. Yeah, negative. It could have been 14 negative, to 7. Yeah. You get negative yards on that drive? Yeah, negative yards. Negative yards on that drive and have to settle for a field goal. That, that's, and, and again, I, that, there, there's, that goes hand-in-hand hand with some play calling but also with execution because I sat there and watched tapes of that game and there was just just lack of execution all over the place. I mean, there were times the offensive line just looked flat confused. Like, they had no idea what their assignments were, what they were supposed to do. I think it's both. Like I said, it goes hand in hand. Execution, talent, coaching, yeah. its it all just – It all goes together. Yeah. You can't just blame one and ignore the other. You have to blame it all. And these were offensive linemen that weren't freshmen. They were from last year. Well, again, they've regressed. We, we we mentioned we've mentioned this. I at least I have mentioned this from the very beginning of the season, when people talked about 
Well, you know, this is an experienced group of offensive linemen coming back. I'm like, yeah, but they've been terrible since they've been here. and bad. But, you know, why would you expect that they're suddenly going to turn into all-American offensive linemen unless something crazy happens? There's something called you, player development, guys, and Will oh, Flynn and, is and, the offensive coordinator and, line coach. And that's one of the reasons that Brian Harson is going to get fired and Will Friend's going to get fired and everybody on that staff outside of maybe a couple are going to get fired is because there has been shown zero player development if anything, it looks like they've gotten worse, and that that's going to cost you a job. And a lot of that ha- comes down to their lack of execution. Brian Harson and that staff can't go out on the field and make those plays. They can call up a play and tell these guys, this is what you got to do. They still got to do it. And when you have offensive linemen that just look completely befuddled when a guy runs past them, and you got offensive linemen running into each other, I can say this, I have not seen this yet where we've looked like Florida, where you had two Auburn guys blocking each other. I haven't quite seen that level of bad yet, but it, it, it would not surprise me. I mean, they look that confused and that bad that it would not surprise me if you saw two Auburn offensive linemen blocking each other. Steve, we love you. We got to get to Anthony, though, so give us your final thoughts. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, at least on the lighter side, the Mets lost. Thank yes, God. they did. Holy Woo! cow. That was epic. See you. Bye. They were supposed to lose, according to 538. They had them being the winners. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They won over 100 games in the regular season and choked. First team so ever. So, guys, in who, who's going to be our – who do we – who the Braves have to play? The Padres? Phillies. 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 Phillies? Okay, so what, what's it look like? Uh, so, uh, Braves are definitely heavily favored in this. The only thing that is really making Braves fans really queasy at their stomach right now – these first two games are day games, and if there's one area that the Braves have just epically struggled this year are day games. Both of those games are set for like 1 o'clock first pitches, and so you got to imagine the fan support. It's going to be there, but probably not a full-packed ballpark. And then, of course, just like with anything, you you play better. The crowd is jacked up more in a night game than a day game at 1 o'clock. And, and, and simply put, the Braves have they've honestly struggled in day games it's kind of been that yeah, thorn in the around, side of the Braves all year. Right they do, yeah, uh, less than five hundred, less than five hundred in night games, but like nineteen games over five hundred in night games or yeah. something like that. So it's like, like the differential between night games and day games for the Braves is astonishing. Like yeah. how bad they are in the daytime and how good they are at night. But it's unfortunately, our, these games are going to be daytime. It don't matter. Uh oh, uh oh, uh oh. Okay, I don't want to hear that. Uh, real quickly, would Ryan be tomorrow? Will he be on the show? He's actually seeing Smile tonight, and he will be on the show tomorrow. Yes. Okay. Well, I want to. I want to definitely discuss with him about the so-called roughing the passer. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to Tom that. Brady. Okay. Yeah. And guys, the last time that we were underdog double digits to Ole Miss was when? I don't think it's ever happened, has it? Yes, it has. Two thousand one. Okay. We were double-digit underdog to Ole Miss at home, and we won the game 26-21. But this is sad commentary to be double-digit underdog to Ole Miss. That's all i got to say. By gosh, I hope somebody has the courage to say enough's enough, and fans and players love deserve better. With that said, guys, I can't wait to hear Anthony. Yeah. Okay, y'all have a safe afternoon, and by gosh, tomorrow I'm ready for whatever War Eagle damn no matter what. There we go. War Eagle. That's our good buddy, retired War Damn Steve, joining us there on the program. 334-887-3401. I was looking for the numbers right here. Uh, Braves, Phillies, tomorrow, noon central. 
we will see first pitch, guys. The series with the Mets at the end of the regular season was so big. In your division, this rule's going to change next year, but forever in your division, you play every other team 19 times. So this season, the Braves played the Mets 19 times. They played the Phillies 19 times. The Nationals and the Marlins 19 times each. Tom, that sweep was so big for Atlanta because they won the season series against the Mets Mm -hmm. 10 games to 9. The Braves won the season series against the Phillies 11 games to 8. So not very lopsided one way or the other. We should have a really good NLDS. I'd also also be curious to know how many of those losses to the Phillies were in the day games. Yeah. Well, that'd be some big research there. Let's get a phone call. Anthony from Auburn. Back to football we go. Anthony from Auburn has called in. Hello, Anthony. Hello, guys. How you guys doing this afternoon? I'm been, great. How are you? Doing good, but good. been better on yeah. the football could, side. Could be better, sir. Well, you know, I promised you I would call you back, and that's exactly what I'm doing. I always try to keep my promises. Uh, you know, some people can't do that, but I always try my best. You always but have, I, and we respect that, Anthony. What you got? Before I get into the Auburn football, I'll I give you. I want to give you credit for you said 14-14 at halftime, right? <laughs> and then who knows it, what it would all, happen? Georgia had. George, hey, Georgia had 14 points at halftime, Anthony. You got that right on the money. They had 14 at halftime. Uh, look here, um, Bo Nix. That guy, he ran for three rushing touchdowns. I think he threw for maybe 200 yards, and he was a leading rush on their team. And, uh, he's been incredible like he's this having, season. Like he's having a good season. He's been incredible, yeah. But moving along here, uh, I'm going to agree with Steve. Uh, uh, hey, I mean, trick plays, Auburn, just, that's something they need not to run. I mean, you can get your calculator out, and you can do the percentages. You know, I got a nephew. He loves to do percentages on everything, and I, and I like that kind of intelligence. But I'm going to tell you something. Uh, they need to leave it alone because the last three ball games or so, that has not worked. I, they tried some kind of trickery or whatever, whether it be a fake punt or, or some kind of gadget play gizmo or flea flicker. Those things ain't working for a team that's not doing well. You don't need no stupid stuff like that. You need to stick with your bread and butter. And your bread and butter, if you got a tank, uh, Bigsby, and you got that other guy, I can't think of his name right now, Hunter. Jarquez Hunter. Yeah, if that's going to be your bread and butter, then what you got to do as offensive line or as a staff, you got to get in that room and say, look, when we third and three or third and two or third and four, are we going to try to get out on the corner with these guys? Are we going to run an inside trap, outside trap? We're going to pull both guards, both tackles, either side or both sides. Or what are we going to do? We're going to pull the center if that's possible. I've seen some people do that too. And we got to get gritty like that. You got to have a big lineman pulling and having snorting and hawking like a bull coming around there. And that's what it takes to get those short yards with guys like that. You got to do that. Nobody's looking for that. In this day and time, defense and linemen don't even know how to respond to that because nobody's seen that in the last 30 years. But those are some things that the coaching staff going to have to come up with. Maybe they don't know how to do anything because they got too many coaches on the staff that might be inexperienced and don't know anything. That kills you when you got inexperienced uh, coaches, too many of them anyway. But uh, this season is looking more and more like uh, it's going to be hard to, to bring this, to revive this team. I don't know if there's a coach anywhere that can do it. But I will say this, and I agree with Steve, uh, maybe it's time to bring some of the second and third string linemen that are on the bench, whether that be a walk-on or whether it be a scholarship player that ain't playing much. Maybe it's time to, to sit this line down and put, start looking towards the future, whether Harson going to be there or not, at least start playing those guys and let to see what those guys can do. Those guys practice just like everybody else. The only thing that uses distinguish uh, first string and second string, maybe some people don't know all the plays. Some people don't have a lot of experience and distance to that sort of thing. Maybe some people get nervous and, and just ain't a starter because they might jump off the side and screw up, those kind of things. They ain't got that seasoning yet. 
But uh, this team uh, uh, could be doing better, but the coaching is not there. We're a friend. You know what? He needs to be fired right now and let a graduate assistant. I'm sure there's a graduate assistant on staff right now that could take over and possibly do a better job and motivate these guys. But I'm going to tell you about a motivating story before I get off. I know y'all got other callers. You know, I was reading a book one time. I was at Books of Millions. I was bored one day, and I went in and started reading some books. And a former player had written a, a book of stories about his life or whatever he had going on at University of Alabama. And back in the 60s, I think, when Joe Namath and Kenny Stable was on the same team together, they had messed around and got behind. And uh, Coach Bryan, he had to figure out a way to motivate them boys. So what he did when he got in the locker room, there was a player that hadn't even got on the field, but he was on the traveling squad. Bryant grabbed him and slammed him up against the locker and told him, you ain't blocked a darn so-and-so all night. Won't you get up and do something? And when he did that, it motivated the players. And he got up to the chalkboard. He said, we're going to be one play at a time. And he drew up what he drew up, and he said, we've got to play with class. Can I get some senior leadership? And they went out there, and the rest is history, won the game and went on and won the title or whatever they was doing. But sometimes you've got to, you know, maybe do something like that. I know in this day and time you can't probably do that because, you know, you got all these rules and things and these crybabies and all that kind of stuff. But sometimes you got to do something like that. Maybe you got to put a hand on, on a player's shoulder pad or something and tell him, I'm depending on you to do this. I, I can't nobody else do it but you. you got to do it. What you do it for, man? Something like that or whatever. you got to get some emotion in there. Get some senior leadership or something. But this coaching staff here, I let every one of them go right now and just whatever graduate assistants you got on the staff, say, hey, today is your day. We'll let you finish the season out, and then after the season, start looking for a staff. Thank you, and have a good day. All right. Yes, sir. There we go. That, so now the only thing that I do want to say, I I, want, I kind of want to disagree on the offensive line deal a little bit because the thing is they're going with the guys they have. There's very little to any depth on the offensive line, and that is a – direct correlation with the lack of recruiting lack of success on the uh on the transfer portal and that's things that have happened back going to the malzahn days with the lack of offensive line recruiting now you've you've got an offensive line you're already very very thin on offensive line you're playing with guys that you have who are just honestly not very good now you've had injuries come up nick brahms at your center was supposed your supposed starter center has retired from football due to injury. So you put a guy there at center, he gets injured, you have to move another guy from the line over to center. And so then you're having to you're you kind of end up playing musical chairs on the offensive line. And so but you have guys that were backups that are now starting because they've had to due to injuries and this musical chairs type thing going on. So you can't just say bench those guys and put the other guys out there. Those other guys are the ones that are out there right now. And and then when you go past that, there's not really a whole lot left because the depth is not there. So, I mean, offensive line, it it's just is what it is. I mean, you, you got what you got. You're going to have to live with it. Uh, and, it, I mean, it's not pretty, but that's what you got. And until you can start getting out there and recruiting uh, top-notch offensive linemen and can start pulling offensive linemen out of the transfer portal, which we've all talked about is very rare. Right. But that's that's the only thing that's going to happen. I mean, there, there's no there's no other by other people that you can put into those positions that's going to make it good. Thanks for the phone call there, Anthony. 334-887-3401. We're going to take a commercial break. When we come back, our good buddy James from Montgomery is going to be on Sports Call. Just a moment ago, however, we got a phone call from Mike who called in. I was talking with him during that Anthony phone call. Said he couldn't get on the line real quick, but wanted to make sure we pointed out talking Braves and Phillies. And I'm really glad he brought this up. I went and got the numbers to confirm it with them. Atlanta went 24-27 in day games in 2022, which is what we had talked about. 
the Phillies went 25 and 28 oh. in day games. Both teams not good did not do well in day games. All right. The Braves won the regular season series by 11 wins to 8. Those 19 games were separated by just three total runs. If you combine all the scores, and the Braves scored three more runs in 19 games against the Phillies, than the Phillies scored against the Braves in those 19 games. But yeah, 25 and 28 in day games for the Phillies, 24 and 27 in day games for the Braves. Mike, thanks for that tip. And James, we will talk to you right after this on Sports Call. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. All right, welcome back into the program. This is Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM. JJ Jackson, Tom Peavy, and Cam Berry inside our studio here today. Again, the spooktacular blood drive, Tiger Town. We're partnering with Life South, Kate 99.9 FM and Tiger 95.9 FM. Find the Bloodmobile near McDonald's. Blood donors will get a spooktacular t-shirt and a $20 e-gift card food and fun for all donors there until 6 o'clock tonight. If you want to be a part of the program, all you have to do is give us a phone call, 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 9 tiger 9 to be on the program. As we go to our phone lines and joining us on the show, we've got... James from Montgomery. James has called into Sports Call here today. Hi, James. Hello, at War Eagle. War, War Eagle. Eagle. <clears throat> yeah, I've been hearing a lot about Auburn and Georgia. That was kind of like in the first half of that game. I, I was actually trying to see what uh, Robert Ashford was going to do. But I think he's not doing enough. He's not doing a good job. Well, he, he, it's kind of hard to do a good job when you have a really bad offensive line that's not giving him a chance to, to do a whole lot. James, we need the offensive line to block. And for whatever block, reason, yeah. they're not doing that. See, the reason why it's not is the offense that's not doing the work. They have to put in the time and the effort and the hard work. That's what we as Auburn fans, we live by the creed that we always say, uh, work hard, play hard. And Coach Harson is not is not doing his job. He needs to be fired. Yeah, we'll see if that uh, if that change is coming. But again, on the offensive side of the ball, you got to block. No matter you, you what. If to, someone's in front of you, you gotta block them. You have to because Take it from me, I, I used to play football in my ninth grade year and in my 10th grade year of high school, and my head coach always told me, I used to be a quarterback in high school in the ninth and 10th grade year, and my quarterback, my coach, he told me that, what are you doing? I said, look, my for me as a person, I was in high school at, at a young age, and I was like, where are you coming off telling me how to how to how to play with my team? Let me show you what I could do with my offensive line. During, this was homecoming in my high school, and I said, "Look, guys, whatever that scoreboard is out there that's saying, we're going to change it. 
if y'all don't change it, I'll change it for us. And right then and there, every time it was it was on on point. I I really need to see Auburn do that. Whatever the scoreboard says in any stadium that we play, no matter if we're playing at home or in Tuscaloosa, whatever, if we play Tuscaloosa, we need to beat them like 30 points off the board. Got to do it. Got to do it. So your offensive line would block for you? Yes, every time. If I was if I was a quarterback for Auburn, every single guy would have to block for me to open up a lane for me. If they open up a small window, I'm running right through that window. I don't care if I get hit, if I get injured, I'm still playing with the injury or not. Work hard, play hard. That's, that's what I always tell them. Even – even when I'm actually in the stands in Jordan Hare Stadium or in Neville Arena next year, that's why I tell them. And, and they know, I mean, when I'm a, I'm a true Auburn fan for many, many years, I've seen games that haven't even gone our way. But this, in my 34 years of my life as an Auburn fan, this is not acceptable. Brian Harson needs to go. We need to get him gone. He he doesn't have no no relations with the SEC. He should have stayed in Boise. He should have stayed up there and coached up there in Idaho. Yeah, why why would you want to come down here to the SEC that you think you're going to make a team come back and win a national championship? We've already got like. From 1957 to 2010, we don't need another loss to our name. We need to make another uh, another trophy case for somebody else to, you know, like we need a good coach that's going to bring another national championship to Auburn, Alabama. So who's that coach? Who do we need to go hire to be our next head coach? I uh, Well, yesterday I've been hearing everybody in Montgomery wants uh, Deion Sanders to coach. I'm like, really? You want Deion Sanders from the SWAC division to come to the SEC? I mean, it could happen. It, it, I mean, it could happen. I'd like it. I think he would do a great job recruiting. I think he would bring a lot of great players onto the yeah, team. Yeah, he will. He will bring a lot of great players and a lot of um, a lot of. Um, a lot of recruiters that that are on his staff as well, and then plus he's a uh, he's a uh, an NFL Hall of Famer for uh, the Atlanta Falcons, the Dallas Cowboys. So right there, what else is there? He's a great candidate. Lane Kiffin's he, name has also been mentioned. Yes, I, I actually did see that in my uh, Twitter feed. Everybody's been tweeting. Uh, everybody's been tweeting me saying that um, Lane Kiffin was going to come to Auburn or, uh, you know, uh, who else um, what was, what was a good, uh, who else was a good candidate that I've seen? Uh, Jimbo Fisher from uh, Florida State. Um, I've got so many, so many, um, you know, so many people that, that tweeted me these ideas, even Old Juan from Old Mitt, I mean, from uh, LSU coming to Auburn. Coach O at and, Auburn? Yes, and I actually told this individual, this was yesterday afternoon, and I retweeted his, her comment, and I said, 
what are you drinking in the Kool-Aid? Why why are you talking about Ed Alderon coming to LSU, I mean, to Auburn? I mean, he's a good fit, but, I mean, there's a lot of other good coaches out there. Yeah, we can only hire one. Yeah, and, I, and then plus, on top of this, I actually said that I didn't even know this. I looked at our roster. I looked all the way down uh, the roster, and I didn't even know that we had a, a Auburn football player that was the great-great-grandson of former Alabama uh, head coach uh, Paul Bear Bryant on the team. On the Alabama team? Yes. But I, I was looking at that, and I don't know if he's not – he's on there, but he's not hes not inactive on that roster. Yeah, that, that Bryce Young gets to play for them. Yeah, so, I mean, with, with that, I mean, we do play them in November, which I'm going to be at that game, but I would like to talk to the players in the locker room, you know, like, you know, get them – you know, motivate it. You know, if that would be if that would be okay. How do you think you do that? Oh, I'll, I'll just I'll just have to do it the old school the old school way because I've I've actually seen so many uh, I, I've seen so many football movies and uh, one of my favorite uh, football movies that I would like to bring out to the Auburn football players is um, Remember the Titans. So Auburn football players need to watch Remember the Titans and then we might be good? Yeah. Either that one or uh, it's another one that I like. Um, That's one of my favorite ones. And my second one would have to be Rudy. Good film. Good film. Yeah, because I can actually tell if I actually, I watch that and I always look at the coach and he goes in the locker room and he says, guys, Tell me when Notre Dame ever won a national championship, and they don't even know it. Anybody, I'll go up to any college football fan, and they don't even know when Notre Dame actually won their first national championship. Do you know the answer? It is 1968, which was their first national championship. Yeah, yeah. You're very passionate today, James. Yeah, and I'm very heated on this because these these uh like I don't know how many games we have left. I think we have like five left in our season. I think we have six left. Yeah, we have six left. So you know, if the guys are listening to this show, if they want to listen to it tomorrow, I got something for them as well. What do you want to say? Well, actually, these these six games that we have left on our schedule. We have to actually give each and every team, each and every opponent, the kitchen sink. If you can't, if you can't, um, what's the quote? Uh, what's the motto? If you can't stand the heat, get out the kitchen. That's right. That's right. And throw the kitchen sink at them. And that's what we're going to do because you know what? We're we're playing at home against Ole Miss. If I'm if I'm correct no, on that, no, we're playing at Ole Miss. We're going to Mississippi. So before we before we leave Auburn, Brian Harson needs to uh, watch old film from years past when we had um, when we had the uh, when we had um, uh, uh, 
Pat Dye. Watch watch his film when we played against Ole Miss. And copy in the that. 80s and the nineties. Yeah. Because when when we actually win, oh, it's gonna be on. It's gonna be on because we're coming to Ole Miss. We're gonna tear them up. We're gonna tear them up right up out the floor. And then we're gonna say War Damn Eagle. Yeah, and then you know, hey, I'm gonna be right there with y'all when we're we're coming to Tuscaloosa too. Yes, oh, we haven't we haven't forgot about Tuscaloosa. We oh, ain't yeah, forget I'm about gonna, them. Oh, we we're gonna show Nick Saban. We're gonna show him. We're gonna show what what's we really up. Mean. Because when I'm there, oh, it's gonna be on. It's gonna you're gonna be turned the up. Ticket, the tickets are still available. That is gonna be a boxing match waiting to happen. I love your passion, James. There's nothing like it. Yeah, so, you know, I'm I'm always heated when it's football season. I got uh, one more game to watch um, tonight. I'm watching uh, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Oakland Raiders and uh, seeing if the Chiefs are going to win. And I've been hearing a lot about my Cowboys making it to the Super Bowl. It may happen. It may happen with Cooper Rush. They're playing pretty good right now. <laughs> yeah. So we're playing pretty good with Cooper Rush. So we we might as well uh, we might as well leave Dak Prescott in, in on the top shelf for for maybe like the last two games of our schedule. Yeah, leave Dak on the top shelf. Yeah, yeah. Because so Cooper he, Rush like, is playing so well. Yeah, he's he's playing so well. And Cooper Rush always he he already gave me good fantasy points already, no doubt, no yeah, doubt. So, so I gotta get this last uh, fantasy win tonight. Well, good luck, Chiefs and Raiders. Who do you think's gonna win? I think. Well, I'm not a Ra- I'm not a Chiefs fan, so this is my nephew's team. So I think he would be happy that his Chiefs would win. Yeah, we'll see if they can do that. We'll see if they can do that. Um, what kind of trivia do you want tomorrow? Um, I would have to say I would take Auburn University trivia about the university itself. Okay. Let's make sure we do that, all right? All right. Sounds good. And I'll talk to you all on Tuesday. War Eagle. War Eagle. That's our good pal James from Montgomery joining us on the program. He said we got to throw the kitchen sink. Got to get out of the toilet before you can throw a sink. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was very passionate today. Yeah, he was. He was on fire. Very that passionate. So passionate. That was I'm awesome. Inspired. Let's get a phone call. 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 888 9 We go to Minnesota, and Barry has called into the program. Barry. Hello, Barry. Yeah. What's up, yeah. Barry? How y'all doing? <laughs> hey, What's man. up, my boy? Not much. I had to call in because I've been listening. And James got me so fired up. That's why I came. Because he said he told his old line in high school, this is what we're about to do, the takeover. I'm like, I had never saw that coming. So I had to call in <laughs> and let James know. Like, I'm still listening. I'm keeping track. And as, I, as, a fellow, as a former old lineman, I, he got me hyped up. To hear that. Anytime <laughs> the quarterback tells you what to do, you get fired up. Oh yeah, that's that's the way to motivate. And I think I wanted to call and ask ask y'all a couple questions. And, right? then, y'all, and y'all... look, he was he was fired up about Cooper Rush, man. We got to leave Dak Prescott on the top shelf. He's a big Cowboys fan. I mean, look, I, I don't I stay away from Cowboys football for my health, but if that's <laughs> what they say, then I'm I'm, I'm support the fans. If All that's right. what the fans want, that's what they get. But I got two questions. Go two for it. Questions. Number one. 
if they if they're gonna fire Harson in the season or after the season, which I think. I I honestly, so if I'm a betting man, I say Auburn loses this weekend to Ole Miss and they fire him after that game. That way, uh, since we got bye week coming up, it would give the interim coach that bye week to kind of get things in place to continue the rest of the season. So if we I, win at Ole Miss, though. Then you may I think see him we to go, the end yeah, of the year. I think I think I think we see him to the end of the year. I I, I definitely I just don't see Auburn beating Ole Miss. I mean crazier things have yeah, happened. Crazier things have happened, you know. But I, 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 I Ole I, Miss at the end of the day is still Ole Miss. So <laughs> yeah. just, that's they're also still Ole Miss with Lane Kiffin hey, right now. True. So. I think the answer is next season he's not the question he's not the head coach, regardless of uh, what regardless the whether season he's, he, he, he's yeah. not the head coach. Auburn has a new coach I, next I, season, yeah. I picked up on that. I picked up on that clear. One more. No, I haven't watched a lot of Auburn football. I've been out here working. I haven't seen it. So my question is, y'all been watching. Y'all been paying close eye. Would you say that it is the play calling or the player execution that would be more of the issue for the team right now? I would say both, Barry. Well, well Barry, I, I, it is, it's a combination of both. But honestly, the, the biggest issue right now is the execution but i mean the overall biggest issue is just a lack of talent yeah it is a pure lack of talent so you can have some of the best play calls but if you don't have the talent to execute the play calls that you're making then then you're trying to adjust to the talent you have and i mean it's just a bad football team bud i I mean it's lack of recruiting since back in the malzahn days leading all the way up to now they just don't they're just not very good. Yeah. There's just not a lot of talent out there on the field compared to the teams that they're going up against. Yeah, because it, it would be different if you're if we're seeing different flashes of which we have from certain players. You know, obviously we know that Tank is already really good. We know that that uh, you know Jarquez Jarquez is really talented, and Robbie could be something. But you know, it's just this is kind of what we feel like is the ceiling. It's not like they're playing yeah. down or they're there's. You know, this is just the best that we've got. This it just is what it is. Barry, we love you so much, man. We miss you, brother. Oh, miss you, bro. Miss y'all every day. Bro. I'm still I'm a Panthers fan. Don't worry. Hey, I was going to tell you congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I texted him congratulations, too. Yeah, congratulations. Finally brother. free. Uh, uh, freedom, that's right. Hey, be good, Barry. We'll talk soon, okay? Yes, sir. Y'all keep it keep it popping. All right, that's uh that's Barry from Minnesota. Barry Goat, who's uh, a former co-host at times on this very program. Awesome so that's dude. A, that's a lot of fun. Epic. All right, let's go ahead, fellas, and uh, we'll take our next timeout. Our next timeout here on the program. On the other side of this break, we'll have more of your phone calls and one more hour of sports call left to go. Alongside Tom Peavy and Ken Barry, my name is JJ Jackson. Two hours in the books, and we're rolling. Two hours of sports call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. 
To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call getting started today on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Tom Peavy and Cam Berry. We've had a passionate show today, fellas. Yeah. A lot of passion from a lot of passion. multiple different sources, which we certainly respect and appreciate. Yeah. It's fun when sports creates this level of passion for people. For real, It though. means a lot. We're the same way. We were wired the same way. That's why we like to do this so much. Um, all right, so let's do this. We've already finished the first two hours of Sports Call today. <sighs> Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? It's now time for the Daily Show Recap. Um, can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? All right, it's time for our Daily Show Recap. I love tossing the responsibilities off to someone here. So if you drive a truck, please handle the Daily Show Recap today. Oh, wait, all three of us drive a truck. <laughs> <laughs> all three of us are truck guys. I don't know. Some, um, some people don't consider mine a truck, even though it has a truck bed. It's not a truck. You drive a truck. Yeah, Do people really not consider that a truck? No. Why? A truck. Who I are those people? I don't know. Yeah, I tell them Real to bark at guys. trees. Yeah, well, yeah, it's like, I drive an F-150. Well, sorry, I can't afford an F-150 right now. <laughs> My bad. You drive a truck, though. Yeah, it, I, I can't believe people say that. Are you serious? I consider oh, yeah. it a truck. I look out the window, I see a truck bed. I also consider. Isn't that the only thing we need? Is a truck bed, and then I, you're a truck. Yeah, I guess it's just not a truck. Traditional truck. truck yeah. How do you define a truck? I mean, has a truck bed? Yeah. Has a bed in the back? Yeah. Yeah. You drive a truck. All right. So that can't help. We all drive trucks. Um, Tom, how about you take this for us? What's our daily show recap today? Oh, What's man. happened? Uh, obviously, we've been recapping the uh, uh, Auburn's loss to Georgia, and we've talked a lot about the different woes that have gone on uh whether it be play calling whether it be talent whether it be execution we've kind of gone through all of it uh we've talked some braves uh, a good bit about the braves and and the fact that they are getting ready to kick off uh their postseason play starting tomorrow against the phillies and uh obviously yeah, a lot of excitement there we haven't really touched a whole lot on the nfl though we have discussed a little bit but uh, not a lot. It's, yeah. it's been very Auburn heavy, as you would expect, being the Monday after a game week, and especially Monday after another just devastating loss. Uh, that's been the main, yeah, the main thing. Now, five weeks into the NFL season, the Raiders will play the Chiefs tonight, Monday Night Football, fun matchup, fun divisional matchup there between uh, Las Vegas and Kansas City. Derek Carr and Patrick Mahomes. Your quarterback battle a little bit later tonight. Matt Rule was fired today by the Carolina Panthers. JJ uh, we've seen it for the first time. Uh, in season firings taking place. Yeah, eleven and twenty-seven, just not cutting it in the National Football League. Um, and then also we've got uh, other big storylines across the NFL. So with that in mind, let's give our best and worst of the weekend. Now, time for the best Woo-hoo! and worst. No. No! No! Of the weekend. All right, best and worst of the weekend. Tom Peavy, I start with you. What was the worst this weekend? Oh, man. Don't take mine. 
Oh, I know what yours is. <laughs> I know what yours Cam, is. Cam, what was your worst of the weekend? Oh, Tom was going first. Well, if he's trying to think and you're ready okay. to not have yours taken, right, is right, that okay? Right. Or are you ready? Do you feel ready? Well, I mean, Mr. Yeah. Truck guy? Well, no, I mean, my, my, my worst is just... Auburn against Georgia. I mean, <laughs> that's fair. I, I mean, that's just beat that's good enough. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was a beatdown. It, it We've was, talked about that a lot. I, I it, it it helped a little bit that I was fully expecting an, a beatdown, right. so it, it kind it's of like, happened as I expected. So it takes the burn off of it a little bit when you kind of know you're going to get your butts beat. I wish we could have covered though. I yeah. I didn't think we were gonna cover it. I had a bunch of discussions with people who were like, There's no way Auburn's gonna lose by yeah, that many points. I'm like, fine. uh yeah, they will. Yeah. <laughs> I Auburn actually scored more points than I thought they would score. I yeah. I was predicting that game was gonna be about like a Auburn scored in the second half. They did. Ten points. I, I, I was honestly predicting that game was gonna be like a forty three, forty six to three type Jeez. game. That was oh kind gosh. of my prediction on that and then so I was pretty close. So yeah, Tom Auburn just Tom getting Tom absolutely dismantled by by Georgia. Definitely my worst of the weekend. What you got, Cam? <sighs> my worst of the weekend is the egregious, just awful call that the refs called on Grady Jarrett. Um, a roughing the passer call on Tom Brady that was just flat out wrong, um, and it would have given the Falcons a chance to get the ball back. And we were we had all the momentum. I was on our side. Everything. I mean, just. I'll say my worst was inconsistent, re, inconsistent refereeing. Not just that play call, but just overall throughout the game, it was inconsistent. It was bad. And you know, aside from the Falcons being down twenty one, you know, which which is you know a situation you don't want to be in, but they were climbing back in the game. They scored on on. I want to. They scored. In the both times in the fourth quarter, I want to say, um, beginning of the fourth and then middle of the fourth, and then um, defense was getting the stops they needed and everything. But like I said, momentum was on our side, and the refs threw a flag that effectively um, ended ended the game for us, and and you know didn't give us the ball back, and you know that hurt my soul, really really bad. Um, so that was my worst of the weekend, and yeah. I was very sad and upset. I've long um, hated roughing the passer. I was, I was very very angry about that one, Be, and I mean. Everybody, I mean, the entire NFL was like, "What?" Yeah. So that's how I know it's bad because when they choose to the throw the flags is always. I mean, and, and I went through this for years. I, I mean, with Cam Newton not getting roughing the passer calls, and uh, uh, yeah, it's crazy. No, I mean, I saw it's only the sixth uh, time a rough the passer call has been called against Tom Brady since 2020. Matt Ryan has the most yeah. since then with 17. Ryan, I did talk about that. Josh Allen with 16, and, and Cam never gets those calls. Yeah, it, it's, just, it's just unfortunate that they threw that flag in that situation. Um, you know, we kind of talked about makeup calls yesterday a little bit in that sense, and you just can't do that. You know, you can't, you can't, you can't get into a situation where you're having to do makeup calls because, you know, the sequence was – they shouldn't have even been in that situation in the first place because they called a bogus holding call, a tic-tac holding call on AJ Terrell. Then you then you go in, all right, that happens. Then you miss a rough a um, pass interference call that probably should have been called on D. Alford um, going against Scotty Miller. You know, kind of forcing him and pushing him out of bounds with his body. Didn't get his head around the the right way. So then, you know, you're making up by not missing that call, and then you call that, and so you're just kind of getting behind the power curve if you're a referee the entire game. But that crew, that 
that crew has a history of making bad calls like that. Um, and so my biggest thing is why don't referees get punished yeah. more for situations for, for, because that, that effectively decided the game. I mean, that decided the game. You know, you can't guarantee the Falcons were going to go down and score. You do have to say that. And I hate that it comes down to that. They did not score for three whole quarters. So who's to say Atlanta would have even gone down to score, but they weren't given that opportunity, and that's fair. But, oh, my gosh, you you have to know that at least give us a shot. Like, you you know, we didn't even get to touch the ball, didn't even get the chance, and we did everything right. Grady Jarrett did a routine sack, a routine tackle, and he got punished for it, and that's just so upsetting. Best and worst of the weekend. Let's uh, let's go on to another uh, thing. What happened? Explain for me, for others. We we talk about his name a lot with the coaching job coming up, but it was in our backyard down in Montgomery. What happened after the game between Alabama State's <laughs> oh, head coach and Deion Sanders? Yeah, because this could this could absolutely beefy. qualify for worst of the weekend. I don't know what happened. I just there's a handshake that they're upset about. They. Are, are you running up the score? Like, does you got what are the details here? Yeah, yeah. Well, so um, there had been Deion, Deion Sanders had made some comments through the week. It, yeah. it wasn't ne- it wasn't necessarily like disparaging Alabama State or anything, but it, it it was some talk that some folks there at Alabama State kind of took some offense to, and then right. then you get in the game and they're blowing Alabama State out, and he brings his uh, he brings the backup quarterback in, and then they run a stop and go. Uh, for a pass play with the backups in when they're already at big. So not only did they feel like some trash had been being talked, but then felt like they were running up the score. So at the end of the game, the two coaches come to meet, and, and this is Eddie Robinson Jr., right? Yeah. Um, yeah. The head coach at Alabama State and Deion Sanders from Jackson State meet at, at midfield. They shake hands, and Deion goes to give, give kind hug. of the bro hug. Yeah, bro hug. And, you know, and just, you know, give him a hug. It's like, you know, hey, man, you know, great game, you know, whatever. Alabama's coach, Alabama State's coach wasn't having it. Got his hands and pushed Deion Sanders away from him and yeah. kind of like, you know, snatched his yeah. arm away. Yeah. And to, press and, and to Deion, to Deion's credit, he just kind of stood there and had his arms kind of up in there with with the like palms the of heck. his hands up, kind of like, what, what the, the heck just yeah, happened right there? Then you get in the post game and the words keep going. Uh, you know, Eddie Robinson Jr. is talking about how. Deion Sanders ain't swack, yeah. being the Southwestern Athletic yeah. Conference. That kind of, he ain't, he's not swack, and he a bunch of stuff was being said. Then Deion gets up there, and he's what does that mean? Basically, he's he's yeah. not within the like he's not within the conference. You know, he's he wasn't he's not a part of Deion's swack. Deion's trying to be bigger yeah, than that. Yeah, well, no, in the sense of like I'm sure Eddie Robinson Jr. Right, he's always been around HBCU schools. I don't, I don't know much about the guy. I don't know how long he's been coaching at Alabama State, or if he played for HBCU or anything like that. Um, but I feel like that's kind of more what he was alluding to, kind of in the sense of Dion's kind of an outsider because he didn't even play for an HBCU. He came in, you know. Granted, I feel like he's done a lot for the HBCUs and, and things like that. Um, but you know. Dion's a larger than life kind of kind of character in that sense, and so I think that's what Eddie Robinson Jr. was alluding to. He's like he's not he's not swack. He wasn't a part of this. He what he, you know he's he's talking about uplifting and building and different things like that. And so in the post game press conference, you know Eddie Robinson Jr. is like, I pray he doesn't take a Power Five job after this. I want him to stay. I want him to come back so we can come back and and beat their butts again. And beat their butts, you know. Just yeah. come back and you know, just just talking trash. And he just like felt like we was he was disrespected through the entire week. He said that uh, Dion in pregame was walking around um, 
walking through his walking, hu- walking yeah, through walking their through huddle and, and walking you know walking around the sidelines but he was like he never came up and spoke to me you know he came, he spoke to all you know the players he spoke spoke to everybody but he didn't come speak to me you know that's kind of disrespectful you know in in that sense and so just different things like that i think uh uh upset upset that head coach and and yeah just a, a bad a bad sense of uh a bad turn of events, yeah. you know, and and just unhappy with Dion. I I I can get I get it, you know. I kind of get it because you're like you're walking around. I don't know if it was at Jackson State or at Alabama State. They were at Alabama. Okay, State. Okay, so yeah, so you walk onto my field and you're walking around and you're talking to all yeah. my players and you're doing all this stuff yeah. and you don't come to me and talk to me. That's kind of disrespectful. Like you don't Check. give me a handshake and then you're gonna kind of bro hug me and act like we're cool at the end of the game. And it's like I don't know you like that. Yeah. We're not cool like that. So don't right. even act like we're cool like that for the cameras. Yeah. So I I get it. I get it. Jackson State wins twenty six to twelve. Anthony from Auburn has called in. Hey, Anthony. You know what Robinson was saying? That you know Robinson went to HBCU. Yeah, and I see, that's what I thought. Uh, he played back in the day, so he grew up in that uh, uh, that family, uh, that type of football, yep. I mean, that type of environment. But uh, you know, and Dion went on to Florida State. So what? In essence, he was trying to say that maybe Dion was a sellout when he probably could have went to HBCU or whatnot. But here's the thing: you need to understand, Dion is a master motivator, mind game player. Uh, he did what he had to do to get in their minds, and that's what he does. I mean, if if you go back and look at some of the uh, highlights uh, when he played with the uh, uh, Cowboys, I'm not mistaken, I think they played against the 49ers and Jerry Rice was his main competition. Well, uh, he had to get in Jerry Rice's head, so he'd go up and, and, and offer his hand, extend his hand after trash-talking for a handshake, and Jerry Rice didn't buy into that. He stayed professional and whatnot and kept on playing, but <laughs> Dion's a big shoe, a big game uh, uh He's going to get in your mind. He's going to do what it takes. But at the end I kind of like Dion, that. Hey, Dion well, comes, <laughs> comes from a background where his father was absent most of the time. His mother, I think, worked two jobs. If you listen to his Hall of Fame speech, he said that at some point he saw where his mother was struggling and trying to make it. And he wanted to do something about that. He wanted to create a better a better living environment for them. He created prime time. He said he got tired of people mocking his mama. She was a janitor or some cleaning lady in the hospital. He got tired of people making fun of her. He wanted to do something, so he can't create a prime time, and trash talking started. And, of course, he already had the athletic ability, so he put all that together, and, and that's what you got. But, uh, you know, I would like to have seen a better embrace. Uh, Robinson let it got to him. He let it got the best of him. Should have stayed professional. Should have went ahead and embraced and did the handshake or whatnot. You know, he may be a little bit jealous of prime time because prime time getting a lot of attention. But that's what prime time gets because he always right. got a lot of attention. Exactly. But, uh, he earned it. But, yeah, you know, he's, he's, a big, he's a big character. Like, it just but, is but, what it but, is. But I will say one more thing. I want him at all. I got to go. <laughs> but, but I'm going to tell you something. I can recall Pat Dye saying one time when, when he got ready to play Bryant for the first time, he went over and uh, extended his hand for a handshake, and, and Brian gave him a hug. He said, Coach, don't be loving up on me because we're about to get after it. We're we about to get after y'all. hope you got the junk strap on because we're going to get it. And uh, I think you know what happened. Uh, the Auburn came a little short that year, but the next year when he came back, Beat Bo Jackson over the top and the rest of the history. Y'all have a good one. I appreciate it. All right. All right. Anthony joining us right there. 887-3401. Toll free at one 9 Next up, we've got Keith from Auburn. Keith from Auburn. Keith has called into the program. Hi, Keith. Hey, guys. How y'all doing? Well, how are you? Hey, uh, yeah, I, I kind of saw that, what y'all was talking about with uh, Alabama State and Jackson State, but y'all, y'all missing the point. The point is, uh, Deion Sanders may not be swag, but he's got swag. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. yeah. 
So he's prime time. He is. So, you know, I, I can I get behind that. Maybe maybe he needs to bring that swag on down to Auburn. <laughs> I, I That's would, what Tom's preaching. I've been preaching this for two years when everybody's looking at me like I was crazy. Well, I, I, I don't think it's going to happen, but I'd love for it to happen. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. I mean, uh, the, key, the key to any head football coach, and especially in the SEC, you better bring some top-notch assistants in there that know what they're doing because as a head coach, you can't do it all. I mean, you, you're, you're kind of the field general or the, or, or the chief operating officer or whatever you want to call it, but it's them assistant coaches that make you the money. And then you got to pay them well. So, um, you know, yeah. I think it would be neat. You know, I still think uh, Auburn needs to throw the, the checkbook and, and uh, yellow, yellow, yellow wood hammer or whatever he's called down there, checkbook at uh, Lane Kiffin and uh, bring him to Auburn where you can, uh, you know, start competing again. But uh, I, I just don't know, you know, I don't know many out there. And if you want to splash higher, you you, you, know, you know you got to put all your eggs in one basket. And go get them, you know, if you can, you know. So we'll see. But yeah, uh, Dion he, he may not be swag, but he got swag. So y'all got <laughs> y'all have a good one. And hey, listen, the Braves uh, these past few days they've been a sleeping giant. Okay, so you mark it down. I don't care if it's one o'clock uh, first pitch or nine a.m. first pitch or or 10, 10 o'clock at night. The Braves sweep the Phillies, and they move on to the uh, the championship series in the National League. And I, I'll leave it at that, guys. Y'all have a good one. Thank you, Keith. That's Keith from Auburn joining us on the program. All right. Best of the weekend, fellas. Best of the weekend. I'm going to give some love to Auburn Volleyball. Again, yeah, monster go. wins over Georgia. The atmosphere was electric. Uh, getting the pleasure to be on the call for those for the SEC Network. The Tigers are now 16-1 and on the season. Their very best start ever. This team's good. They're surprising people. They're also very young. Not a single senior on the roster. And Coach Crouch nice. has done a great job recruiting. So uh, very, very good to see indeed. What else we got for best of the weekend? Oh man, there's a lot of best. I, I I'll go with just I'll go with the Mets getting eliminated. Yeah. <laughs> that was gonna be mine. Was it? Yeah. Uh, I I enjoy seeing the Mets get beat. Just yeah, I, I that's mine as well. I have seen them. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. I I'll go. I I'll go a uh, different one since that was gonna be yours. All right. Uh, how about the Buffalo? How about not just the Buffalo Bills, but how about Jared Allen? Josh yeah, Allen. Josh, Josh Allen. Josh Allen. Josh Allen. <laughs> Jared Allen. Who's Jared Allen? He was a defensive end. He played for the Vikings. Oh, that's played right. for the Panthers a little Josh bit. Good player. Allen. Yeah. Jo- Josh Allen, especially yeah, in the yeah. first half of the oh game. Oh my gosh. Good. Night. I didn't even get to watch that game because it wasn't in my region, but woo. Thirty one to three. Yeah. Uh, and now they might be getting McCaffrey. Uh a ninety eight yard touchdown fair. pass on their first drive and then yeah. had a sixty two yard touchdown pass and yeah. If you're, if you're a Buffalo if you're a Buffalo Bills fan good and, and I like it. I see and I, I like him. No, I I, I I love I love that type of story because it's a kid that comes out of Wyoming. So it's not, you know, he didn't play at he didn't play at Some Bama or Ohio game, State yeah. or Southern Cal. I mean, it's a kid that came from playing at Wyoming. I love seeing those guys that come from the small schools that just end up being Hall of Fame caliber. Not highly recruited, not yeah. not anything, and 
comes in, you know, works his way into well, being know, a top uh, ten draft yeah. pick, or I think yeah. I think top ten, definitely yeah. first round. But well, like a Ben Roethlisberger comes out of Miami of Ohio, right? You know, those those, just, those types of stories are just so cool. Yeah, to to see a guy that can come from the smaller, lesser known colleges to become one of the biggest names yeah. in big college time. football, big time. Uh, big. Man, and, and they love him and up he, there in Buffalo. Big man. time, but big guy. Yeah, he's he's he seems like a lovable guy, goofy yeah. guy, cool to cool to uh, be around, nice to get along with. Um, so yeah, I, I feel it. Yeah, he's a, he's a cool dude. But yeah, mine's 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 seeing the Mets fans in pain, um, <laughs> seeing them upset because their team, you know, couldn't finish anything whatsoever. Hang the banner. They were leading the division in, in June. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, it's just. We knew it was going to happen. Yeah. Like I said earlier, we knew it was going to happen. I I knew I had complete and total faith that the Braves would end up winning their division, and that winning the division ended up guaranteeing us a, a first round bye, and the Mets couldn't even get past the Padres, and they also couldn't even sell out their own stadium on a Sunday night. So um, overall, I would be pretty upset if I, I I don't even know like who do I if I were a Mets fan. I'd be upset if I c- couldn't go to the game. Okay, I'd be upset at the rest of the fan base. If I'm there, I'm definitely upset at the rest of the fan base for not showing up. Um, and then the product that was put out on the on the field was just – it just ended up not being able to close and, and really play some ba- playoff baseball, and they just weren't ready for it. And the Padres showed them that they weren't ready. So here we are, Braves ready to – Ready to take on the Phillies, and the Mets are sitting at home with their 101 wins, and and, uh, and their millions nothing. and millions of millions dollars, dollars worth of players nothing. <laughs> that they may not even have yeah, next they year. Might not even have. They're probably going to lose their leadoff hitter. Probably going to lose Degrom. Going to be tough. Hate to see it, but also love to see it. Here we go, uh, and then we'll give you a dumb crime to take a break and uh, wrap up the show after this. Burglar returned to crime scene for his keys. Dang it. I hate Not when I good. Do that. Uh, a Northern California burglar returned to the scene of the crime this weekend after he forgot his keys inside a donut company's corporate office. <laughs> the thief stole some petty cash from Johnny Donuts' office in the San Francisco Bay Area on Saturday night. Police said in another twist, he also grabbed the keys to a bakery vehicle but didn't steal the vehicle itself. Raphael police are seeking the public to identify the burglar who used an unknown tool to manipulate the office's doorknob to get inside around 10 p.m. The crime was reported to police on Monday. Surveillance video shows the man moving between the office and a back storage area where he pried upon a filing cabinet. The lieutenant said the thief took a bank bag with an unknown amount of cash. Part of the investigating is finding out why this specific business was targeted. No donuts were found, but left the keys, returned to Johnny Donuts, and was arrested there. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, maybe don't forget your supplies when you're trying to uh, make a heist like that. Not so, too good. Let me ask you this, because this could be a best. Uh, our player of the week, is it going to have a uh, pit flavor? Yes. What? Never mind then. Yes. I will not read that best. Yes. If he was not going to be our player yes. of the week, I was going to read that stat yes. line. Yes. We will uh, We'll go with that later in the week for sure. Okay. Exactly. All right. Let's take our final time out of the program. And I like TV guides after this on Sports Call.
May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. This is Andy Bertram, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to the Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Tom Peavy and Cam Berry. We hope that you're doing well on this Monday, a full week of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show coming your way this week. And then also we'll have Auburn football on Saturday on the road. The Tigers play at 11 a.m., 8 a.m., kickoff show as we'll have the tiger tailgate show on fm talk 93.9 starting at 8 a.m and then auburn plays ole miss at 11 if you'd like to be a part of the program 334-887-3401 my co-hosts today tom pv and cam berry as we go to the phone lines terry from auburn terry has called into sports call hi terry good afternoon fellas how are y'all today very well how are you doing all right doing all right good glad to glad to hear it um how long do y'all think the Oklahoma people are going to put up with that garbage Saturday? Ooh, probably. That's <laughs> uh, not good. Yeah, it was not good at all. There's, I, no, I mean, bad. their starting quarterback was hurt, so you know we kind of do have to take that into consideration. But it's they're still not a good football team. It, you don't you don't lose to your arch rival that bad no. and yeah. and keep your job for very long. Forty nine nothing. Yeah, didn't yeah. even score a touchdown. Favor of Texas. A field goal, nothing. Just ask Gene Chizik in two thousand twelve. True. Exactly. So, I just, I just, you know, there's a lot of money there. There's a lot of power there, and I think eventually, I think eventually they're going to come after Josh Heupel. They, they may. I, I'll tell you, Oklahoma fans are not going to put up with that very much no, longer. No. They may not put up with it past this year if this keeps going. They may but fire him. Like that would be. I, mean, I, I would give him at least till like halfway through next season, but. Yeah, well. You got to got to give them a chance to build something. I know Oklahoma's already a pretty you know high po- high power program, but you know Kiffin kind of took a lot of the key talent with him to USC. So Brent Venables kind of has to you know kind of pick up the pieces of that and then keep going right. with what he's got. So I, I would give him a I would give him a little bit more time um, past you know this just being year one uh, and and see where they go from there. If he does get next year, it will be a very, very short leash. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely a short leash. But you, you got to give him, give him a, a little bit more time. Just give him some breathing room because, I mean, like I said, uh, um, uh, excuse me, Lincoln Riley. I think I said Kim. You said I was going to correct yeah, you. Lincoln, yeah, Lincoln Riley took a lot of the uh, a lot of the talent, the best talent, with him to USC. There's still a lot right. of talent there. I at agree. Oklahoma. I agree. There's enough talent. talent there to be better forty nine to nothing. Yes. Yeah, they're and they're underperforming, like massive. gravely yeah, under yeah, perform, underperforming. And who do y'all think is the next big head coach? I think you'll get a head coaching job at say a Memphis or a South Florida, something like that. I think it's Kendall Bryles. I think Kendall Bryles will be the next coach to do big things down the road. Now it could be five, six years down the road. I think but so he too. He understands that the game of football now is played on the offensive side of the ball. That's just the way it is, guys. I'm not saying you can be terrible on defense and win, but you can have the first or second ranked offense in the Southeastern Conference and the sixth or seventh ranked defense and be really good. 
Yeah, no, I think I think there is something to that. I think what he's been doing at Arkansas has been admirable, and uh, yeah, someone's going to give him a shot at some point. If I had, and I don't want to do this to you guys, I'm sorry, but if I had to say, you know, JJ Tom Cam, if I if you give me three names that will be the next Auburn head coach, who'd you take? Who'd you take? Deion Sanders, Deion Sanders, Deion Sanders. <laughs> I would say Lane Kiffin, Lane, Lane Kiffin, Lane Kiffin. Yeah, Lane Kiffin, Deion. I'll go. I'll go. Deion Sanders, Deion Sanders, Lane Kiffin. I'll give you. <laughs> you'll, that. you'll give one back. Too. <laughs> I'll, give you one, I'll give you one back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was um, over for three different ones, but hey, Ken, you know. Yeah, I, I like the name. Uh, I like. I like, I like Kendall, Kendall Bryles. Bryles. Yeah, I do. I, I like that, and I would say Kiffin and. You know, as a dark horse is as I can a be wish, talked into Dion Sanders as a, as a wish, but not a probable reality. But I would also say Dion. You know, what would be the biggest plus about Lane Kiffin is I think he's the one guy that could come in there and say, "Hey, y'all, y'all, get out of my way. Let me do it my way." I do too. Get out of here, and I, I just think that's what Auburn needs. I yeah. think he's the one guy that could do that. I think and he'll I, behave I, like I, that, and I think I think he would fit in with the Auburn culture as well just in general well the the thing is though it's also not so much about the coach coming in there and going y'all get out of my way and let me do this it's the it's the Auburn people also saying we're going to get out of your way and let you do this because I mean you can sit there and I there's not a coach in their right mind that's going to come in and not tell people to hey let me run it the the Auburn folks that are in charge of of certain things they're the ones that need to back off and Tom, you can understand this being from Columbus, Georgia. Hey, Elaine, let's go hang out on Victory Drive in Columbus. Yeah. Take care, guys. All right. Thanks. That's uh, Terry joining us there on the program. 887-3401 or toll-free at one 9 to be on the show. And joining us now, we have got our good pal, Michael from Auburn. Michael has called into Sports Call. Hey, Michael. Hey, guys. I didn't see the game, but I was following up. It was a Pac-12 game. I want to say it was Arizona State, but there was a weird onside kick. That the guy, so I'd always thought unless the ball is in the air, uh, you know, most onside kicks, you kick it straight into the ground and you want to get that little roll and then high hop. The guy calls for a fair catch and he gets blown up and they call a penalty. I said, no, he called for a fair catch. You had to let him give him free rights. And I was like, what? And they looked at the rule and like they exploited it and they were like, yeah, we're going to have some issues if, if all teams in that scenario now, you know, just have your up guy call for a fair catch. But I didn't know if y'all saw that, if y'all can do some investigation into that. But, I mean, that was – I didn't see it live. I just heard the replay and the ruling of what they said happened, and I was like, wow, I, I didn't know that that could, could take precedence of, of if the ball is not kicked straight in the air, if it's kicked into the ground. I didn't think that – I didn't see any option. of that yet. Did you guys see that? I, 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 I didn't. I didn't uh, you know, I, But I have seen that before where a ball will bounce and, like, go way up in the air and a guy will call a fair catch. So – yeah, I'd have to look into that rule and and see exactly how that goes as far as doing a fair catch because I'm I understand what you're saying. If that's the case, then anybody over there can call a fair catch, and then what's the point of doing an onside kick? Yeah. If you just call a fair catch, then then that's just it, right? Because yeah, as the kicking I, I, team, don't you want to jump up and grab the ball out of the air if sure. given that opportunity? But then, do you need to let this guy? Well, for well, part, fair, well yeah. part of the fair catch is if you're on the kicking team, you go that you you immediately run down there. And you just absolutely knock the ever living, you know what, out of the person in front of you, and hopefully jar to that. Get in a good position. And hopefully jar that ball loose. Um, so yeah, I mean, with that ruling, I'd, I'd really have to look at that and see what was going on. I'd have to look at that play and see what happened with it. I, I think it was Arizona State. Don't quote me on that. I, I'm pretty sure it was a Pac-12 game, but uh, I just I thought that was just kind of weird, uh, weird kind of scenario that kind of played out there, but. Uh, 
we'll just see the Tom Brady, you know, roughing the passer thing. I, people say he's the greatest of all times, and I look at it and go, if you're going to make rules like that for a guy, I mean, mean Joe Green and, and you know, playing in those eras with those quarterbacks, like, I, and no, you know, hey, I give him props. I mean, he, he's definitely up there, but we're going to start changing the game that you can't do things like that and just simply tackle the guy. I remember the Clay Matthews tackle when I'm going. What do you want them to do? I mean, right. just put a pillow under them and, I mean. Yeah, put a pillow under them. That's exactly it, what I it, 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 it doesn't make sense. So, but I appreciate the time, guys. All right. So uh, just to read the rule here, the way that it is written, uh, the fair catch rule for American football dictates that a team can call a fair catch on a kickoff and or a punt when the ball is in flight. However, during an onside kick, the kicking team is kicking the ball directly into the ground to bounce so the football is no longer in flight. So that's what differentiates it. Right. Okay. So if the ball hits Thank the ground and pops up in the air, you cannot call a fair catch because by that definition, the ball is not in flight. So I'd have to see what happened with this rule if it went into the ground or if it was one of those that was like a pooch kick right. or something. I had to I'd, loft it up. Yeah. Right. I, I just have to see. Yeah, because it could have been one of the – the kicker didn't kick it directly into the ground to bounce. He may have just like that's good research on like, your part, Tom. That's what Michael was looking for. Yeah, kicked it straight up in the air. So Thanks I'd have that. to I'd have to see the play and understand exactly what happened on that particular play. But yeah, kicking the ball directly in the ground to bounce so the ball is no longer in flight. Let's get out of here. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. All right, our nightly TV guide is brought to you by our friends over at White Claw Hard Seltzer, the Grand Budapest Hotel at 620 tonight on HBO. Uh, We've got The Greatest Showman, 640 p.m. on FX Movies. Monday Night Football, the Las Vegas Raiders, the Kansas City Chiefs, 715 on ESPN. Despicable Me 2 at 8 o'clock on Nickelodeon. And Grown Ups at 930 p.m. on Paramount's also at 7 o'clock on ABC, an all-new edition of Bachelor in Paradise. It's good stuff. You'll be watching Reality that. TV. I got to turn it on. Watching that. Make sure, uh, make sure you check it out. going to watch that and cry himself to sleep with the <laughs> Disney Channel. Our highly TV guide <laughs> brought to you by uh, White Claw Hard Seltzer. Tom, thank you so much for being here. We'll see you on Wednesday. I enjoyed it. Cam, we'll see you soon. Yes, sir. All right, that does it for today's edition of Sports Call. For Tom Peavy and Cam Berry, my name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.